Don't touch that dial. You're tuned in to the Dread Podcast Network. All right. Are you ready to record? So ready. Let's do this. Okay. I'm going to hit record. Okay. Wait. What's this? What does this pop-up mean? Wait. What? What happened? I just got this weird warning that 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 just like popped up out of nowhere. What does it say? It says warning. Cursed be those who disturb the rest of a podcaster. They that shall break the seal and listen to this recording shall meet death by a disease that no doctor can diagnose. Huh. Uh, I, I've, I've never seen that come up on Zencaster before. Oh, well. It's episode 67, Monsters Are Terrifying, Mummies Edition. I am the writing on the wall, the whisper in the classroom. I'm Marjorie Green, and I approve this message to save America, stop socialism, and stop China. Stay the pie, we honor thee from life to death Doubters, the doomsters, the gloomsters, they are going to get it wrong. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to run? Where are you going to hide? Nowhere. Because there's no one like you left. What do we want? Justice! do we want it? I want you to know that the movement we started is only just beginning. Sometimes that is better. With their moans, groans, and screams, Hollywood's mummies have always given us chills. This week, researchers in England let us hear what a real mummy sounds like. That's the voice of Nessie Amun, an Egyptian priest who lived 3,000 years ago. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of Friday the 13th Horror Podcast. My name is Maddie. And I am Andrew. And this is the podcast where we talk all about horror. Horror in the movies and horror in real life. I've been trying to say horror more lately because people think I'm saying horror pretty often oh. <laughs> when I when I introduce them to the podcast. And you know what? They're not wrong about that either. You know, like that's that's kind of what we, what Could we be do a little either. bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyways, welcome back uh, or welcome for the first time for those of you who have never been here before. Um, this is our 67th full length episode. Um, pretty cool stuff. And it's the last installment no no of, no there's two more there's two more we have yeah. we have more wait what, yeah. what do you mean i've planned two more monster series episodes that you don't know about okay literally folks you can see here that my co-host is is uh has has planned a coup and didn't tell me anything about this what are the other two that we're doing we are going to do bigfoot is terrifying oh. and we are also going to do therianthropes are terrifying which if you wait, don't know what, what the that fuck is, is that? it's uh shapeshifters Oh, um, I've shape-shifted in my day. I don't know about you, but every every Friday I try to shift a little shape. You know what I mean? Really because I really want to make you watch Sleepwalkers, and so that's... I've watched Sleepwalkers before. 
Well, we're going to do it for the episode. <laughs> it's been a while, though. I'll tell you what, the movies that we watched for this one, because today we're talking about mummies, um, they were a lot of fun to watch. You know, look, I mean, we'll talk about them later. I always jump the gun. You know this about me. Um, Andrew, how are you first? What's going on with you? I'm good. We are entering into phase four of the pandemic, which is great. Uh, <laughs> is, is it? Is it phase four? Is that where we are right now? Is that, is that what we're calling it? Yeah, I think so. Uh, at least in uh, the Midwest. Um, I don't know. It's it's like every day is like something new and terrifying yeah, and girl. awful. And <laughs> uh, it's just one of those things. I just put my mask on and keep going. You know what I mean? I can't yeah. really. I can't really do much anything else. So I get it. Yeah, I get it. You know, for for us, um, for us over here in Europa, um, as soon as everyone started hearing the word Omicron, everyone was just freaking out, and people are still freaking out, as you can imagine. Um, and we have all these, we don't have a ton of new restrictions, but we have enough that are like, man, this is wrecking Christmas. One of the restrictions, for example, is, um, now in Ireland in restaurants, it's, you can sit up to six people at a table, which that's not bad, right? Like six people at a table is pretty, actually pretty good. Um, but you can't book multiple tables. So what does that mm. mean? It means you can't have any Christmas parties. Like, like yeah. for example, I was going to take my, my, we weren't doing like a whole office wide Christmas party because, you know, that would be stupid and there would literally be nowhere that we could do it. But I was going to take my team out for lunch and that's like, you know, 13 people basically. And now we can't do it, which is pretty sad. Um, it is what it is. Bars here close at midnight, which is fine. Nightclubs are totally closed. It's just, you know, it's just getting tiring of like, what is it? When are we just ever going to have anything? Just sort of like, eh, just go have fun again. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, go talk to the anti-vaxxers about that because that's Ugh. what's holding us back. <laughs> so. Seriously, it's just, it's it's absolutely insane. It truly, truly is. And look, we've got them over here too. Um, they, they, they're, they're horrific. And you know what else is horrific? These uh, couple of things we're going to talk about in our uh, certified terrifying corner. Um, the first one, Andrew, uh, we'll talk about is from your home state, most unfortunately. Um, the Oxford High School shooting uh, in, at Oxford High School, of course, near Detroit, the latest host of uh, a mass shooting in America. Four children were murdered. The 15-year-old kid that did it, his name is Ethan Crumbly, he got the handgun, the pistol, as an early Christmas gift that his mom bought for him on Black Friday. You can't awesome. get um, – I don't think you can get actually more American than this story. You know what I mean? The mom bought it on fucking Black Friday for cheap, gave it to her kid, and then he goes and does a school shooting. I just can't even. I mean, it's, you know, we hope that one day we'll wake up a little bit, but I don't I don't think I'll see it in my lifetime, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I'll be honest. I don't think that we will either, because I think that I think that America loves I think that America loves guns more than children. And I think that America loves um, this wacky idea of liberty more than they love the lives of children. And I think that that actually fits in really interesting with the next certified terrifying piece and the last one, which is the Supreme Court case this week, um, this past week that 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 just was submitted. Um, and if you didn't listen to it, you, I really highly encourage all of you to like go listen to the actual the actual proceedings. It's very interesting and it's a little fucking uh, scary. Uh, Roe v. Wade uh, and Casey, for that matter, were challenged this week uh, in SCOTUS, the Supreme Court, 
by uh, by the state of Mississippi. Their new abortion law, it's not new anymore, but their abortion law bans all abortions after 15 weeks. Um, number of problems with that, of course, because most women, especially if they're if they're new mothers, they've never had a baby before, um, they uh, typically don't know that they're pregnant until after the 15th week. Um, so it's just a really scary attack. Um, and if this thing uh, is, if it goes in the wrong direction um, in June when they announce their decision, uh, you can guarantee that abortions in well over half the states will be completely banned. And then it will be an attack on a whole bunch of other shit. So say goodbye to same-sex marriage. Say, say goodbye to this, 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 this. Because it's all going to go back to the states. And the fucking conservative weirdos that essentially run America are creating the world that they've always wanted. It's really, it's really fucking scary. It truly, truly is. Yeah, I don't really understand why we have a federal government if we're just going to let states do this type of thing. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, and I, I think that when it comes to human rights, I don't think that that should be a state by state issue. I think that mm -hmm. as a country, we should stand behind human rights and the rights of the of the people that are that are in our country, whether you live in Maine or Florida or California or Washington. Yeah. I think that those should all be the same when it comes to human rights there are things like taxes and there are things like property rights and there are things like those that states should be able to run on their own based upon you know their population and how they have to run things financially and whatnot but when it comes to human rights i i really do think that as a country we should stand behind those people and it really makes me really sad that we even have to talk about this <laughs> i know i, I it's uh I, <sighs> This this is this is one thing that you know I'm 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 glad that I'm out of America for and and am extremely unlikely to ever return to the country. I'll be an American forever, but I will I I have zero desire to come back. You know I I miss you guys and I miss my family and friends, but I really and I'm not trying to be a dick about it. I'm just I'm being serious. I really don't like America. I just don't. And there are people who are going to listen to this and be, be probably you know scoff at me or whatever i don't give a fine fuck look at the place where you fucking live like it's it is fucked beyond belief you just had a kid get a fucking gun from his parents for christmas and then go shoot people in his fucking school and then you've got fucking like the the, the autonomy of female bodies completely going away that is fucked beyond belief i, I just i don't fucking know i'm very angry about it all but we're free, Maddie. We're free. Oh, you yes. <laughs> Land of the free, home of the brave. Like, get ready for fucking whatever. It's, like, literally go fuck yourself. Um, Just so stupid. Not you. Yeah. You don't fuck yourself. That's okay. Uh, you know what? We have lived through all of this. We shall continue to live mm -hmm. until we die. And then mm -hmm. whatever. <laughs> Look, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna buy um I'm just gonna buy a bigger house so that you guys can escape here if you need to, okay? Um, anyways, that's it for the certified terrifying corner. Um, let's hope that real life gets a little less scary. Yeah, so let's talk about some mummies. Let's um, talk about let's talk about mummies' rights now, please. <laughs> right? Actually, I would like to talk about that because I feel like it is really, really sad that we keep dicking these people up. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, let, let's do spend a little time on that because I I think it's fucked up too. Like, um, essentially, what it is. Imagine somebody digging up your body right. like, in a hundred years. Do you want that to happen? 
right um yeah it it was really funny um and i mean funny is interesting i i think i say funny too much to mean too many different things but um it was interesting when we're watching these movies and we can talk about it when we get into it but i was like hey these are like people's things and like people's like ancient like hopes and dreams and um just like their things like what do you have to like dig them up and put them on display for people i don't know it was so weird i've never thought about it before watching these movies this time and thinking about archaeology and thinking about like ancient ruins and all these things where i'm like who who do who are we to say that we can just like have these things now you know what i mean no no i do get it. it it's 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 such a fine line because You know, by looking into the past, especially in this way, we learn so much. You know, we learn about our very origins as a species. We learn about how our brains developed and how we how we created myth and legend and how we um, I I think that you can learn a lot about people by how they took care of their dead and what they actually like believed about that and and how that was evident in the rituals that they conducted and in the, the things that they did. So, you know, that that part of it is so interesting. But then the other part of it is exactly what you've already stated, which is like, you know, it is essentially desecrating a grave. Right. And and what and why? <laughs> like what I why know. do we why do we need to keep doing it? I don't I don't know. Because we're curious, I guess. Yes. <laughs> I mean, like and at the same time, like I'm absolutely fascinated with it. You know what I mean? Like I don't, I don't know if you, if you watched it, but um, uh, it's it's on it's on Disney Plus because you know like they have all the National Geographic like sure, documentaries. Sure. There's one on there called um, it's called the Secrets of the Saqqara Tomb or something like that. I can't remember, but uh, it's something about the Saqqara Tomb. It's fucking awesome because like it, it, it they 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 uh, they document in this documentary series um, them opening this tomb for the very first time. And it's fucking cool. Like you, there's just amazing stuff to look at and things that they learn and it's neat. Um, so, you know, like, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I'm a complete hypocrite of (laughs) what the things I'm saying, because I just, I like to look at it too. I don't know. It's just so weird. Like I don't, I don't really understand tombs. If I'm being honest, I don't honestly understand graveyards. If I'm being 100% honest, yeah. um, it, it's one of those things. Like I understand you want to remember, you know, the, the people that came before you and, you know, sure. honor those people and have a place where you can go and honor them. But like, when it comes to like tombs and like ancient Egypt, do you think that they really were like, you know, one day I really hope somebody digs this up and finds it. You know what I mean? Because yeah, they buried no. them with all this like treasure and all this like gold yeah. and everything that they used in their lifetime and like so they essentially buried like a time capsule with a body yeah and do you think that they like back in the day they were like man you know i'm leaving this for another generation you know what i mean oh you know i i think that um i i enjoy thinking about death i think it's there's a quote for you um but i i really i truly do it's there's something about it that is just incredibly compelling because it's it's you know the two things that happen to us all are birth and death um and those two things unite all of our species because that's just what we fucking do um and i think that you know w- when when we die um the way that that things happen after it's not about the dead it's about the living you know right and there's this there's this great book actually if if you're interested in in death called the undertaking it's by uh, Thomas Lynch he's actually from Michigan also um, and he, he's got this great line that he repeats uh, sort of over and over in the book and it's this the dead don't care 
and that's and he's absolutely right because the dead fucking don't care like you're literally dead you're not unless here. you're a ghost <laughs> yeah unless you're a ghost which i do believe in but for the most part and they they just they don't they don't care because they're gone so everything that happens afterward is just about living people and how you want to remember people or not remember people how you want to memorialize it or not memorialize it um it's 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 fascinating to think about, and that's the thing about about thinking about mummies and del- delving into this uh, particular topic in horror, is because you can't think about mummies without thinking about death. You know, it's just, right. it's, it's part and parcel. That that's how the whole thing works. Yeah, and whether you know with mummification, it's usually either a punishment or a memorialization oh. of a of kind of a not not a famous person, but I guess I would say famous in their own right. Sure. Um, it's either basically they want to honor them or punish them. That yeah. was kind of the two ways that mummification would happen. Sure. Um, that, you know, obviously this stems from the uh, Middle East um, in places like Syria and Egypt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those those places is kind of where mummification, the origins of it. But, you know, in each civilization, there really is a different way that this was kind of done and you know we think of mummies as only kind of what we saw in the movies that we watch today kind of you know you know wrapped in uh cloth and bound and you know there's all the the stories about how they would you know do the brains and they would take out all the vital organs and do all this stuff but in each culture even in you know uh american culture and in indians and american indians yeah sure that they would have their own way of you know kind of honoring their dead and kind of putting them in caves and and those kind of things and actually a couple stories about some uh, native american um mummies that we've found Mm. over the years here Mm. um but maddie i think you have a a story that kind of harkens back to the more egyptian style of mummies and the, the the curse of the pharaoh so why don't you take it away yeah, sure, sure, sure. So um, th- this is about, uh, and I'll just tell the, the, the simple story here. It's, it's about um, Howard Carter and the uh, the excavation of, is that what we call it? I'm using the wrong word. I don't know, but you uh, know what I mean. I mean, that, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So and the, the excavation of the, the tomb of King Tutankhamun, um, this was in 1922, um, w- one of the really interesting things about, about this particular story for me, at least, and I'm sure for a lot of other people is that it was funded by Lord Carnarvon, um, in, in England, of course, uh, who was a peer, uh, and obviously a Lord. Um, but he happened to be Lord of High Clear Castle, which is where Downton Abbey takes place. Yeah. Oh. My God. So actually at, at, at High Clear Castle, which I have still not been to yet, but I cannot wait to go in, in the very near future. Um, they have an Egypt exhibit um, up up in the upper rooms of the house. Oh, that's I, cool. I, yeah, I, I think it's been closed during during COVID, but um, hopefully one day we'll open again. Um, so yeah, just a little little extra thing there. Uh, but so is this like the main inspiration for the nineteen thirty two movie? Um, I I I would say it was probably something that that was um, fresh in their minds. I mean, sure. something like the. I mean, there, uh, Egypt was very fascinating to English people um, because Orientalism was just such a thing back then. So anything from the East, from the Far East, was just something that fascinated English folks. It just did. Huh. And so like you 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 found a lot of like um, sort of like Sino inspiration and an Egyptian inspiration and all that kind of shit. You found that in England at the time. 
um, and and in America for that well too, for uh, 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 for that matter as well. Um, and I I I kind of think that there's no way they would have made the mummy unless sure unless King Tut's tomb had 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 been a thing because I it's also in like the uh, popular zeitgeist of the yeah, time pre- precisely yeah I, I don't think that people would have liked it like it wouldn't have been received well if if it hadn't already been in their heads in one way or another I I would imagine. Um, but the the story that I bring you um, just comes from it's from uh, Smithsonian. Um, it's from Smithsonian Journeys. You can find that online. Just uh, search for the Curse of King Tut's Tomb, um, and let's talk a little bit about it. So, uh, archaeologist and Egyptologist Howard Carter's team was put under the microscope uh, after opening the tomb of King Tutankhamen or King Tut, as people wondered if the curse had truly affected the people who witnessed the tomb's opening in 1922. So here's a few of the people and the pets connected to this curse. Hmm. First, Howard Carter's pet canary, cause of death, eaten by a cobra. Now, the explanation, oh God. <laughs> the cobra is symbolic to the Egyptian monarchy, and it is believed that the royal cobra was released in Carter's home as a symbol of how the king strikes his enemies. This began local rumors that the curse had been released. Is that not fucked up? Someone so put a somebody fucking, yeah, a fucking cobra in his house. Oh my gosh, this is like my, I, you know, for, for people that have not listened to the podcast for a long time, I'm, I'm scared of one thing and one thing only, and that is a snake in my toilet. And, <laughs> and to have someone release a fucking cobra in your house. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. I mean, fuck yeah. Imagine like you fucking see that motherfucker like squirming at you on your fucking living room floor. I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> Freaking out. Fuck an A. Okay, the next one. Uh, Lord Carnarvon himself sponsor of the king tut dig cause of death blood poisoning now the explanation here is that carnarvon was bitten by a mosquito and accidentally cut the bite while shaving it became infected and then he died of blood poisoning but some people i know some people believe that the mosquito bite was in the same location as a lesion on king tut's cheek but since lord carnarvon was buried with no formal autopsy no one could confirm this Wow, I had never heard that before. That is wild. crazy. Now, here's another to one. Think, to think back in the day, uh, just shaving and oh, yeah. making a uh, mosquito bite could kill you is terrifying. Girl, tell you what, it was crazier than COVID. Now, uh, next one here is Sir uh, Sir Bruce Ingham. Uh, he was Carter's uh, Howard Carter's friend. Uh, material destruction. So something happened to stuff that he owned. His house burned down, but his house burned down twice. So, yeah, the explanation here, according to the curse, is that Ingham received a paperweight made of mummified hand with its (gasps) wrist adorned with a scarab bracelet marked with cursed be he who moves my body to him. Yeah, yeah. To him shall come fire, water and pestilence. No one has an explanation for this other than bad luck. So he just had this? Yeah, yeah. Someone gave it to him as a gift. It's pro- probably Howard Carter gave it to him as a gift. Isn't that fucking crazy? Oh, my gosh. Why? You know, <laughs> as a human species, we really don't understand warnings. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> now, Howard Carter himself did not believe in the curse. And out of the 58 people present when the sarcophagus was open, King Tut's sarcophagus, only eight of them died within 12 years. Carter passed away at the age of 64 of lymphoma in 1939, so almost 20 years later, right? Um, and and was not one of the eight um, 
uh, uh, scientist. The, uh, wait, I lost my my track here. Sorry. Um, so he, he just he wasn't part of that like initial like early ten years where like the shit was really happening. Sure. So um, air samples were taken from inside an unopened sarcophagus through a drilled hole to test the air quality. There were high levels of ammonia, formaldehyde, hydrogen sulfide. Um, all of those would have a strong scent and people would have been repelled by the odor. So, the, you know, there is something to, to say there too. Like, I mean, it, it's sort of like we're finding out with climate change. You, you're having like all these like bodies of like ancient animals, like like come up out of nowhere, right? Sure. And like the the like germs that were on them are coming back to life or like the way that like methane is being released from from um, from the ground because the the ice is melting. Um, you know, those things can can infect you, too. And the same thing with a mummy's tomb. You know, if you look, there's going to be some crazy shit down there that hasn't been right. sniffed for a long fucking time. So if you're the one who, uh, you know, unfortunately sniffs it like you might get some fucking fucked up shit in your body. Well, and also think about like everything that the body releases at, oh, as yeah. it dies, and you know it's it's contained within one vessel in the yeah. uh, in the tomb, and so you're releasing all of that gas uh, for the first time, and like who, God knows how long, you know what I mean? Like, oh my of God, course, this, it's going to be something. Like, literally, even thinking about that makes me sick right now. Jesus, I know, right? Wait, <laughs> why would really? anybody want to be an archaeologist? I don't know. Yeah, for real, it's not it's not Indiana Jones, right? Um, that's my stuff. What do you got? That's that's really interesting. I did not know that there was such a, uh, so I, the one thing I do have to ask, and you know, yeah. and you did say that it was on the paperweight, but was there anything told about any sort of warning outside of the tomb for like opening? Did you see anything about that? Not that, not that I saw. Um, I mean, I think that like, I, I don't think that there would, well, there, there would have been a seal on the tomb. I do know that. So any doors that were there, like they would have been sealed and they would have definitely had some sort of cartouche that would indicate like, hey, you know, maybe you shouldn't do this shit. You know what I mean? Right. Like, but this I would is also, my shit. <laughs> yeah. But I, I would also say that like certainly the lore, uh, I mean, like, look, Howard Carter wasn't the first one to like dig up a tomb, right? Sure. So yeah. certainly the lore would have been there and the stories would have would have reached their ears. And, you know, grave robbers have been a thing since, you know, graves were there. So yeah. I, I, I think that, I think that everyone knew about this shit and there certainly had to have been some kind of warnings. I don't know specifically for this one. Um, they knew better is what I would say. Huh. Um, but I just think that like people don't, they don't care. <laughs> well, I mean, we'll talk about it when we talk about the movies, but yeah, that seems to be a running, a running gag. <laughs> it's, and it's, I, you know, people just can't help themselves. So my two are actually about um, basically Native American mummies that we have found in America. This over... is going to be interesting because I know I know literally nothing about these at all. So the first one um, that I want to talk about actually happened in your uh, home state of northwestern Indiana. Seriously? Yeah. So um, this when did this was, happen? Um, this was in 2015, oh so not God. too long ago, in wow. Lake County. That's, where, uh, that is, that's literally where I'm from, folks, is Lake County, Indiana. So um, this was brought to you by our patron, Robert Bailey. Thank you so much for giving me this Rob. story. Oh, sweet Rob. We love you, Rob. So I, I basically posted it in our Patreon, like, hey, anybody have any, like, thing about mummies that they, like, want to talk about or want us to talk about? And he gave me this story. So, And he also shared a very sweet um 
a childhood story about how he tried to be a mommy as a child and it basically oh ruined God. his clothing with duct tape. So <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like Rob Bailey. <laughs> um, so this is brought to you by uh, 2015. Like I said, um, basically land surveyors in Northwestern Indiana, as they were kind of um, mining for limestone. So in a quarry, okay. um, they found a, what would, what would seem to be a mummy in um, Southeast of Lowell or about 20, 20 miles south of Gary. So very close to where you grew up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Lake County Sheriff John Buncich. <laughs> that's the best uh, way John, I can pronounce yep. it. John, John Buncich. He's, he's a Buncich. real character too, I'll tell you what. Um, says the archaeologist told him that the remains could be 500 to 2,000 years old. He said that archaeologists will investigate further to see if the site is a Native American burial ground. Um, but he says that the surveyors could make out a head and a torso. Oh, my God. Um, so they basically found this. Um, and, I mean, the cool thing about this story is that they kind of concluded after taking a look around the area and figuring out, like, what is what is this? Is it ancient burial ground? Is it sacred? They concluded that it was not, in fact, sacred burial sites. So they actually decided to rebury the remains. Wow. Um, and so th- I thought that that was really interesting. They, huh. they said that, you know, w- well enough to be left alone. And there was a lot of controversy around it. Um, but they basically did the construction of the quarry around this burial ground. That's so interesting. Um, so th- they basically said, like, hey, this isn't our spot. So we're already disturbing the ground enough by kind of doing the quarry and mining for limestone. Um, we're just going to, we're going to, you know, we're going to rebury this and this is just borrowed ground anyway. So we're wow. going to rebury the body. So I thought you know, that, that was really interesting, especially for Indiana, if I'm being honest. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, look for, for any Midwestern state. I'm, I'm surprised that any one of them would do this. Um, that's, that's, I, did not know that story. I don't. I don't know how that story passed me by. That actually kind yeah. of makes me feel weird. <laughs> That's so crazy. I will say, like uh, when I was researching it, there wasn't a ton of extensive research done. I think that it was kind of like, oh, this happened, and we reported it in the Indiana State News, and this is what happened. You know what I mean? Wow, like, God, that's so crazy. Um, okay, so do you want to know about the oldest mummy that has ever been found in America? Um, I Bob Dole. No, I'm joking because he just died today. I had to make a joke about Bob Dole. Oh, no. Oh, God, I'm an asshole. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Tell me about so, it. This is the Spirit Cave Mummy. Okay. Um, The Spirit Cave Mummy is the oldest mummy ever to be found in North America. It was discovered in 1940 in Spirit Cave, which is about 13 miles east of Fallon, Nevada. Okay. Um, This was discovered by husband and wife archaeologist team of Sydney and George Wheeler. Um, he was said to be 40 years old when he died, the, the mummy, of course. Uh-huh. Um, analysis of the remains showed similarities to North and South American uh, indigenous peoples. Huh. And in 2016, the remains were repatriated to the Fallon um, Soshone tribe of Nevada. So great on them. Um, but what was interesting about this is that when it was discovered, uh, science was not where it was at, obviously, in sure. 2016. It was 1940. And so they they held the, the, the remains. And in 1996, um, uh, the anthropologist Evie, R.V. Taylor examined 17 of the Spirit Cave's artifacts in using mass spectrometry, which I don't know if you know what that is. But yeah, it's, it's, with, it's, with, it's with light, right? 
Yeah. Uh huh. Um, so the results indicated that the mummy was approximately 9,400 years old. Oh my God. So initially they thought, what, like 2,000 years old or whatever, but no, this was actually almost 10,000 years old. That so is, they think. My, it, it, that's, that's honestly like hard to even fathom. You know what I mean? Well, think about this. Think about it this way. Researchers estimate that the death of the person have occurred about 7420 BC. Holy shit. So this is an ancient, ancient body that they found in this cave. Um, what's huh. cool about this is, you know, from 1996, when they did the spectrometry, they, they held the body until 2015. But at that point, um, Eski Willerslev, which is uh, another anthropologist, collected bone and tooth samples huh. from the remains of, uh, with the permission of the tribe and DNA indicated that the remains were similar to those of North and American, North and South American indigenous peoples. So in 2016, November 22nd, the remains were actually repatriated to the tribe and the guy even attended the funeral oh of wow the mummy so i thought that that was really cool that you know they That's they really did find this thing you know, that they did the science on it you know i'm, I'm sure that the initial archaeologists were dead at, by this time i'm sure if they found it in 1940 but i thought it was really cool that they did all the work on it they you know, the science caught up to the evidence and they discovered that, you know, it probably was this tribe's ancient uh, ancestor. And so they said, you know what, this isn't our body. We're going to give it back to the tribe. And they had to be able to, you know, rebury it and basically have their own little ritual, which I thought that, was really sweet. <laughs> that, that's that's terribly interesting. Um, that's just that I, I'm still thinking about, well, what was it, 9,400 years? Is that, is that what you said? 90, yeah, 90, yeah, yeah. 9,400 years ago that's just uh you know it's i i love thinking about the humans back then and like not to get weird but you know me i'm a weirdo um <laughs> like what like what were they thinking like that but do you know was it was that was the body a male or a female or do we not know i don't it didn't say in what i read yeah, yeah. i mean and it doesn't matter what 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 it was but you know like what what did that person think you know, what, what, what was on their minds? What, what were they like afraid of? And like, even though it was, you know, nearly 10,000 years ago, like what were the things that they were hoping about? You know what or I mean? Like the thing that I think about is like, so this is the only body that was in that cave. Oh, so wow. like, who were they? Like, what yeah. were they to the people of that time? Like, were they a, a preacher of sorts? Were they mm. a leader of sorts? Were yeah. they a king of sorts? Like, it's just interesting to think about, like, we'll never know why they were given such a uh, yeah. either honorable or dishonorable, depending on how you look at it. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. Yeah. So uh, it, it, makes you, it makes me wonder, too, like, were, were they lonely? You know, did, right. did, he, did humans even experience loneliness then? Was that even a thing? Oh, I could just think about this all night. Jesus. Well, uh, who, that, knew, who, who knew that mummies would get us going deep like that? You know what I mean? I Jeez, honestly was eat. a little worried about this episode when we were starting to talk, when we started to like think about what we were going to talk about with this yeah. one. But I but think girl, that that really echoed like a very interesting conversation. Oh, for sure. And l listen, but for listeners out there, we're worried about every episode. <laughs> if, we're be if we're being honest, like, listen, we, we come up with the ideas and then we, we get to the week of, of recording and I'm like, fuck, what the fuck am I going to talk about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right so folks that does it for our horror in real life segment uh if you just just sit back and just don't be impatient we're going to be right back okay with your favorite segment and it's called andrew tell them what it's called 
What you been watching, bitch? Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Welcome back, everybody. It's time for that segment that we do almost every episode. It's What You Been Watching, Bitch. What You Been Watching, Bitch. And if this is your first time joining us, this is literally where we talk about what we've been watching, whether it's been good, bad, or somewhere in between. So, Maddie, why don't you tell us one thing you've been watching? Sure. Um, I'll start with one that I saw in the cinema this week. Uh, I went uh, on Friday to see uh, a new documentary from Focus Features called Final Account. Um and I saw this at the Lighthouse Cinema in Dublin. I say that often because I really love them. Um, and if you're ever in Dublin, you should go to the Lighthouse. It's really cool. Um, Final Account is a documentary. It's about 90 minutes long. Um, it's all in German. And it is about this filmmaker who I always forget names and I forgot his name now. But this filmmaker who went to um, who went to Germany, uh, I think in 2008 he did this. And then he finally compiled the movie. And he went to go talk to people who were functionaries within the Nazi regime. And he did it in 2008 because, I mean, they're all mostly dead, right? So this was like a final chance to get a final account from the people who did the shit. You know what I mean? And not the people who were like the big guys, like Goebbels and everything else. Like These are the people who like, like one woman is an accountant, you know, she was, she was an yeah. accountant in the camp. Like the boots on the ground type. People. Right. Sure, sure, sure. And like, you know, there were some soldiers there too. Um, and it, it's, it's really good. Um, I have a deep interest in, in Holocaust history. I, and I, I have for a long time. Um, I think it's important that everyone sees this movie because um, the people that the filmmaker talks to were just people and they were people who got caught up in something incredibly evil and they never had the courage to say no not one of them none of them did and it's something that i think people today should think about and you should think about it because it's going to happen again it's going to happen again like you can guarantee these types of things will continue to happen and just because you know we say never again when it comes to the holocaust doesn't make it so and you know we will continue to to keep fighting fascism across the world because that's that's what we do uh but the people that he talks to you know there's there's a, a mix of reactions um there are people who say that they didn't know what was going on and there are people who say that they absolutely knew what was going on but were too scared to say anything about jews being killed like in their town like in their fucking town um there's one man who has taken it upon himself to like go talk to students about the things that he did and like meet with, with Jewish survivors um, to like try to make amends for the, for the life that he lived. Um, and you can see that he's, he's taken the guilt really, really seriously. And then there is one man, this old man who was an Oberst an Oberstrom Fuhrer in, in the, in, in the Wehrmacht who, when, when pressed with questions about Jews still continues to believe to this day that what happened was was right. And one man and, and and the same man also defends Hitler. And like, if you saw this man walking down the street, he doesn't look like a white supremacist. He's wearing like a sweater vest and like a blazer. And he looks quite professional for a grandpa. You know what I mean? And he has fucking kids. Like it's just, it's, it's a, it's a wild, um, surprisingly wild documentary because you'll just shake your head and you'll walk out 
just being like, holy fuck, what did I just see? So listen, that, that was a long little bit about it, but it's really, really good. If you have a chance to see Final Account, um, I think that you should. It's worth it. Wow. Um, I miss when you lived with Bridget and you just watched naked British television. I know, <laughs> right? Th- things have changed now, haven't they? I'm back, I'm back to being sad boy Maddie again. Yeah. <laughs> um, my first one is far from, from what you were talking about, and I don't want to make light of it because I think that sounds really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would it'd be, actually be interested in, in watching, so I don't want to make light of it, but my first one is 8-Bit Christmas. <laughs> oh, perfect. Yes. So um, 8-Bit Christmas is on HBO Max. It is kind of their release for the Christmas season. Um, It is all about a little boy in the 80s, in the late 80s, in Chicago, of all places. Oh, really? Uh, He grows up in the suburbs. I forget exactly what suburb, but um, Michael knew the suburb, so... Um, That's I was like, funny. Hey. Um, but it was obviously very apparent whoever wrote this movie was from here. And this was kind of like a semi true story for them because sure. everything was like super accurate from like the mall that they went to, to the suburb they lived in, to the highway they come to Chicago on. It was really cool, actually. Um, and it's all about this kid and his friends in the late 80s when Nintendo came out and they're all wanting a Nintendo for Christmas and none of their parents want them to have a Nintendo because they want them to be outdoor kids and sure. they want them to like not lose their spontaneity and lose their creativity because of um, Nintendo and all the things that came with the early onset of, you know, the evils of, of video games, <laughs> you know. Sure. Um, it was really really good actually um it reminded me a lot of a modern christmas story if you will um and for any of our listeners that don't know a christmas story i make sure to watch it every year it's a weird tradition that we watch it when it's on new year's eve or not years christmas eve excuse me a story Um, about hammond indiana once again in lake county right um so this was like a modern reboot of kind of that story and i'll tell you um the ending surprised me and I cried. <laughs> so, oh, I love that. So I would Got definitely it. recommend 8-Bit Christmas if you're looking for something to lift your spirits um, in maybe a more of a lonely time of year. I'll, I'll tell you what, speaking of crying, when I, when I did go to see that movie on, on Friday, um, the, the trailers, you know, they had commercials for shit. And like European commercials around Christmas are like famous for like making people fucking cry. I cried at every single one. Like 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 the Coca Cola one was like, oh my god, I'm gonna I'm gonna die. Um, My second one is called The Line. Uh, You can watch this on Apple TV Plus. This is a uh, I think four part documentary series about um, about uh, a Navy SEAL team, Navy SEAL Team Six. And uh, how the uh, the the seals turned in their chief for war crimes. Um, so it's a true story. Obviously, it's a, it's a documentary. Um, it's really interesting. Um, if if you uh, are interested in sort of like ethics and like how things are done, I think that you'll like it. Um, I think it's another good thing for Americans to watch because um, I really sort of hate and like I I have veterans in my family stretching very far back in American history. I might add to the Spanish American War. Um, Oh, actually, to, uh, to to the Civil War. Um, I think that the way that Americans do Veterans Day makes me sick. And I think that Veterans Day is just a very strange like thing that we do. Um, and I think Armistice Day is is the original intention. So instead of celebrating like whatever, you celebrate peace, actually. But Veterans Day just makes everybody go gaga because it has got to like worship veterans. And I think it's I think it's strange. 
Um, and I think that the reason why it's strange is because you can't just blanket celebrate all this shit and not look at the terrible things that have happened. And this little series tells you some crazy shit in Iraq that went down. Um, and this one particular guy that the chief that they turn in, how he just like murdered women and teenagers and children and like would just be a sniper and just shoot. And no one gave a fuck about it. In fact, like they all kind of had fun with it. So um, it's something that's really good. It's really well done. Um, it's not as depressing as I'm making it sound, believe it or not. Like, I mean, <laughs> you will like, you know, it, you, it, it, it has a good pace. You can keep up with it. It's kind of thrilling in a way, if I'm being honest. So, um, yeah, I think it's one to, to, to watch, especially if you're an American called The Line on Apple TV+. Plus. Hmm. Uh, my next one, it kind of showed up randomly and i have not heard anybody else talk about it it, huh. it was kind of one of those like recommended for you on netflix sure um it is the netflix original movie called night teeth um and this movie it's actually really entertaining and really fun and i don't know why netflix kind of silently released it and i don't know why they released it in december or november what did i forget when it came out but huh. it, it seems like a halloween movie that they should have like yeah why, why didn't they put it on halloween in, yeah why didn't they do it in october I don't know. But anyway, this movie is about a uh, a fictional L.A. where um, there is a side of L.A. that knows that vampires exist and there's a side that doesn't know they exist. And huh. um, one night this guy is substituting uh, for his brother in a rideshare program. So he's basically driving Uber for his brother. OK. Um, and these two girls get in and they take him on a wild night of adventure. And it's all about like the the kings and queens of the vampire uh, kingdom of L.A., huh. Interesting. Which is really cool. It's got the girl from Insatiable, if you ever watched that show on Netflix. Okay. Uh, and the other girl is, I for some reason, I was like, I, where do I know her from? And I looked it up and I was like, oh, she also played a vampire in this weird vampire movie called Vampire Academy that came out oh, like 10 years really? ago. So <laughs> she found a niche for herself in her actress career <laughs> playing vampires. Wow. But, um, this was a really fun watch. I got to say, like, I, I hope that people uh, take a chance and, and watch this movie because it's it's just a fun movie. Like, you know what I mean? And it takes yeah, the vampire sure. lore and a little bit of a different angle um and i had just had fun with it it was super easy to watch and everyone was really good in it and it it gave me a little bit of a hope for some of these um netflix original films now that they're kind of back in production if you will because i think for yeah. a while there it was what do we have in like the korean market what do we have in the australian yeah, sure, market sure. what do we have in european market like what can we put in here to like make sure it like looks new for us because if I'm being honest, you know, during COVID, I think they did recycle a lot of, you know, Canadian shows, a lot of oh, for sure. Australian shows because they didn't have content. So it was fun to see, you know, a new movie. And I don't know why they released it with such less fanfare. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, I've, I've really enjoyed going to the cinema to see new stuff lately because it just feels like it's been forever. You yeah, know, and it just it feels good. It, you know, you've already said it. it just feels good to watch fucking new stuff. Um, my third one is uh, The Wind That Shakes the Barley. Uh, I watched it on demand. Um, I, I haven't, I, this is the first time watching it. Um, it's, it stars Killian Murphy, um, and it's fantastic. It's, it's, uh, it's the story of just Ireland's rebellion. I, I, listen, I don't mean to keep talking about Ireland all the fucking time, but um, you know, it's, it's interesting since I fucking live here now. Um, and there's so much to know. Like the, the rebellion in 1916 and everything that happened after, 
it, it's it's a really complex history and and you know for folks that aren't from here like it's it can be a little confusing at times this this movie really helped to sort of straighten things out for me and like help me understand the timeline and and a lot of other stuff and it's superbly acted um every I, I can't tell you the other actors in the film um but they're all pretty fucking good and uh they do a really great job the 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 particular style that they use here is sort of like um the 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 actors are are it's almost like a, a bit of ad lib and none of it sounds phony or fake or forced so just the acting is it's fucking amazing actually when did this come out really really good when it shakes the barley i forget i'm just gonna look it up right now actually like Uh, 2000s it it was in the 2000s but let me see 2006 yeah okay 2006 um yeah if i you know watch it if you have any interest in ireland um please watch it because it will tell you a whole lot about um how this how this beautiful little country came to be huh interesting uh, my third one is one that I randomly found and I'm so happy I did. It is called the deep house. Hmm. Um, the deep house is currently on epics, which for all you people that have, um, Xfinity or, you know, Comcast or whatever, that's like the new channel that replaced stars when they yeah. kind of get rid of that. Um, this is about a couple that is vacationing in France and it hit kind of a, a popular trope nowadays is that there are YouTube people um, and they are looking for their next big scare because they go and like investigate huh. like old abandoned like asylums and like all that kind of like that's their angle. And um, they find that there is a, a, a place in France where they evacuated a city and purposely flooded it to make a lake. Oh, weird. Um, and so there's still like buildings under the lake um, because it was like a, what do you call it? Like a valley. Oh, it's crazy. Um, and so they get a tip from a local guy that there is a complete house down in part of this lake that because like the when they go to the lake they're like oh it's just a lake there's like people partying on it and like boating and like all this stuff and he's like well actually if you go on this other part of the lake there's a a, a completely intact house wow that you can go down into and they do and i'll tell you the story is just okay yeah um, sure if sure. i'm being honest uh but the way that they filmed this because I will say 75% of the movie is them underwater Um, and they have scuba gear on. And so you can still like hear them communicating through like walkie talkie or whatever. But um, it turns into a little bit of a ghost story and how they filmed these people down in this house underwater. I don't know how they did it. I, I would be very interested to talk to the makers of this movie because it is in my personal opinion, like one of the biggest achievements I've seen in a long time with like filming yeah. because there's like straight up like people and you know, I I won't, I don't want to spoil it, but there's, you know, there's quote unquote ghosts down there, but those people don't have scuba gear on. Those people don't have anything on. They're literally walking around just in water. And it's it, from what I can tell, it's all real because they're floating the entire time. So it's, definitely a very spooky movie it's a very dark movie the story turns yeah, very sure. dark um i would definitely encourage people to go watch this if you have to rent it rent it because it's it's something i've never seen before and yeah, I'm gonna, i was I'm, I'm gonna try to find that one it's re- i was really impressed I, I was just really impressed in how they did this so maybe i'll reach out to the filmmakers and see if they want to talk to us at some point yeah. but it was, and hey, uh, and, 
Hey, Andrew, too, why don't you go ahead and do your next one as well? Because we've got a Patreon pick this month, too. Sure. And so um, that, so that was the Deep House. You can find it on Epics or maybe rent it. I'm not sure. Um, the next one, I actually went to the theater. Oh, how fun. Good. <laughs> um, I returned. Um, this is my second time since COVID. Um, which one did you guys go to? Uh, we went and saw the first one we went and saw was Candyman. I think I talked about. It in the no, no, no. I mean, which show. which um, which theater did you go to? So we went to the Regal Cinemas on Western Avenue and here in Chicago. Of uh, the Regal. Um, of course, we were in the very far. Uh, I don't know how familiar people are with this Regal, but every single time we go, we end up being in like the furthest theater, and there's an exit right there, and oh, yeah. there's always a homeless person that comes in and like. <laughs> sits in the theater and watches the movie with us god you know um, i not not to not to whatever but just a little nostalgia i remember when when i first moved to chicago and i lived not not far away from that theater um i had no air conditioning like like many of us because we were all fucking poor and i used to go to that theater whenever i could in the summer just to like just to like stay cool it was it was a wonderful thing to have well and honestly that's why i kind of just like let the homeless person do what they need to do. Yeah, like who gives a fuck anymore? Seriously, um, you know it's cold here. As long as they, you know, don't disturb the movie. If they yeah. just want to sit there, that's take fine. A, take a seat, dude. So, Come on in. Uh, but we went and saw uh, Resident Evil. Welcome to Raccoon City. Oh my god, it's so ridiculous. <laughs> so, uh, longtime listeners know that I'm a huge Resident Evil person. Grew up playing the games. I uh, have watched all the movies with Mila Jovovich and Paul W S Anderson. And and kind of enjoyed them to a certain extent or here or there. Um, this was kind of a reboot of that series. And I'll tell you, um, if you like the games, you will probably like the movie. Um, if you don't are not familiar with the games, I don't know how much appreciation you're going to get out of this. Um, this was made for fans of the game. If I, if I'm being totally honest. Okay. And yeah, sure. Um, it felt a little bit slow. Um, it does pick up by the end. Um, if there's not a sequel, I don't really understand why they made this movie um, because it's it's basically like an origin story for sequels to follow. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. So um, I had fun with it, but that's because I'm a huge fanboy. And so I saw like little things like, oh, that's the keys that are the, in the shape of the cards. And right, like, that's sure. the thing from the game. And that's like, that's fun. Um, I don't, I, you know, when we walked away, I, I asked Michael if he liked it and he was like, I was kind of confused. So <laughs> I, I, I totally get where he's coming from. Yeah, um, like but uh, yeah, I, that, that that's just the thing too. It's it's. I'm actually glad that they gave it a title like Resident Evil Raccoon City because like for somebody like me who knows nothing about it <laughs> at all, I'm like, you know, that's just one I'm gonna skip. I'm sure that people love it, but like, yeah, there's no entry for me there. Yeah, so I had fun with it. It was fun to go back to the theater. Um, it was really eerie because um, we had taken the Monday off after Thanksgiving. And we went in the afternoon and there was literally nobody. And there was like two yeah. people working there. It was very strange. It's it's kind of nice though, isn't it? Oh yeah, it's awesome. I love going to the theater by myself. Oh so. my God, yes. Jesus. <laughs> so why don't you, this brought to you by David Sullivan, our good Patreon patron, brought David. us a movie for you to watch. What did yeah. you watch? So I watched uh, Dario Argento's um, uh, Phenomena, which is on Shudder. Uh, along with a bunch of other Argento films. I'm pretty sure there's like five or six on there right now, I, I think. Um, uh, this is, um, if you've not seen Phenomena, or even if you have seen Phenomena, 
this movie is very um how do i put it fucked up <laughs> there's there's <laughs> there's a lot that goes on here um i'll tell you i i i tweeted out after after um after i watched it today actually i just i tweeted out dario argento's phenomena dot 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 is a movie that's all and adam who follows us uh he's he's at hellhams uh he said donald pleasance jennifer connelly bugs insects a monkey with a knife iron maiden how can anyone not like phenomena is what he tweeted. Um, and he also summed it up pretty well. That is exactly what the movie is. Um, Donald Pleasance stars as a Scottish doctor with a, with a ridiculously bad Scottish accent. It's, it's actually, I, I think that Mel Gibson did a better job in Braveheart. Jennifer Connelly is really young in this movie. Um, it, it, this came out in 1985. So it was probably filmed in 84. Uh, not sure when Jennifer Connelly was born, but she she couldn't have been more than like I don't know, like fifteen in this movie. Yeah, well, when did Labyrinth come out? You know what I mean? <sighs> yeah, it's, it's a good question. I'm I'm not sure, um, but she's she's real young in this. Um, Iron Maiden does feature as a very very important part of the soundtrack, um, and I I can't really tell you why. So like like look the the thing about about phenomena is this like it's super Argento. It is very different from other things. Like this is not a Suspiria. It's very, very different from that. And like the 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 crux of the film is pretty good. It's it's um just to sort of like like sum it up. I'll just read you straight straight from Wikipedia. Uh, its plot focuses on a girl at a remote Swiss boarding school, so in Switzerland, uh, who discovers that she has psychic powers that allow her to communicate with insects and uses them to pursue a serial killer who is butchering young women at and around the school. So like, yeah, I know that that sounds a little batshit crazy, but also we're on a fucking podcast about horror movies, right? Um, yeah, we, we, just, we just talked about a fucking house under, 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 under the ocean. Um, so I mean, like, look, it sounds crazy, but actually kind of a cool idea. Like the idea that like her particular psychic power is like communicating with bugs and like she loves all kinds of bugs and they love her and like they'll just kind of do whatever she wants them to do. Um, it's it's I've never seen that before in a horror film. I think that was really, really neat. Um, the thing about this movie is that it's just listen, it's Argento just fucking going for it. And like the, so much happens that when I was about I think I was like about an hour and a half in the movie. And I remember looking up and being like, oh, my God, how long has this movie been on? Like because it just there's just so much that happens. Um, the bugs are crazy to watch. I'm not a bug person. So if you're not a bug person, this movie will make you squirm for fucking sure. Um, the kills in it are very Argento. So, you know, expect a lot of like long sequences of, of deaths and like, you know, sort of like a really dramatized, like ending of a life. Um, get, you know, get ready for, you know, super crimson blood, or I should, I should say like super cardinal colored blood, like that, that sort of stuff that all returns for you here. Um, Jennifer Connelly, um, does her best. I mean, the writing is a little wacky. Let's just <laughs> fucking face the facts. Um, there's also like a lot of like the film sort of like subtly explores a lot of like daddy issues. Um, like her, her, her character is Jennifer Corvino. Um, and her dad is like this famous actor. I forget his name in, in the in the movie. Um, and like everyone thinks that this dude is hot. So like there's a lot of like weird discussions around it around this child and like Donald Pleasance and like the way that he relates to her um, as like this bug doctor who's trying to like mentor her. 
Um, there's a lot of like interesting dialogue that's sort of like, it's just, yeah, right. It's just like, like an entomologist or whatever they're called. Um, so yeah, it's look, I, I could go on and on. I'm not going to be able to, to encapsulate the, um, the, 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 the wide breadth and the, and the depth of, of an Argento, um, insane, like weird movie. Um, but yeah, you know, you should watch it. Uh, if you've never seen it before, it's, it's, it's incredibly compelling, um, it is, it's, it's rich in a lot of ways. Um, and in other ways it is definitely lacking, not going to lie. Uh, but I think for a 1985, uh, film out of, out of Italy, you know, here we are with phenomena. Um, David, thank you for recommending that we watch this. Um, and most of all, uh, thank you for your generosity in being a patron for us. Folks, if you are interested in um, having us watch a film for you and then squawk about it on here, you can do that. Uh, if you go to our webpage, frygay13.com slash support, you'll find our, our Patreon there as well as a link to our merchandise site. Um, we never put any sort of uh, content behind a paywall. So if you become a patron, you just get to do some fun stuff with us like this. Yeah. It's more about uh, getting to know us more, yeah, absolutely. Uh, rather than kind of putting you know uh, more reviews uh, behind a paywall or whatever. Yes. I mean, and you know what, everyone's going to do it differently, and yeah. we don't do it. We don't do it perfectly either. So, well, and the <laughs> um, the thing too is that all patrons should know there's actually a surprise coming because when you hit the uh, the thirteenth month in your subscription. Andrew will send you a photo of his ass. So get ready for that. Perfect. Perfect. Um, it's going to be a good little surprise for you. <laughs> but um, yeah, thanks, David. Really appreciate thanks, you David. Uh, putting in the effort and you know helping support us because you know without that support, we're kind of we're in the hole, if you will, financially. So could really you not help say? Could you not say hole around me? Do you mind? <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, that does it for What You've Been Watching, Bitch, and our wonderful patron pick this month. Um, so take another break, and we'll be right back with our first film of the episode, The Mummy, but the 1932 one. Death, eternal punishment for anyone who opens... This casket. The mummy. Is it dead or alive? Human or inhuman? You'll know. You'll see. You'll feel the awful, creeping, crawling terror that stands your hair on end and brings a scream to your lips. Ah! There's nothing on earth like the mummy. You will not remember what I show you now, and yet I shall awaken memories of love and crime and death. Now I know his horrible plan. He is going to kill her and make her a living mummy like himself. Get ready to unwind and unwrap with us. Get it? Because of bandages um and she was going to talk about the mummy from 1932 it comes to life an ancient egyptian priest named emotep is revived when an archaeological expedition finds his money money his mummy and one of the archaeologists accidentally reads an ancient life-giving spell emotep escapes from the field site and searches for the reincarnation of the soul 
of his lover. This is directed by Carl Frund, written by Nina Wilcox Putnam, Richard Scheer, and John Bladderston. These are the weirdest names. I know. Um, the production company was obviously Universal, and it was also distributed by Universal, because that's how they used to do it in these days. Um, Emotep is played by Boris Karloff. Helen Grossvener is played by Zita Johan. Frank Wemple is played by our welcomed closet case from Dracula, oh my god so david gay. manners jesus <laughs> um sir joseph wemple is played by arthur byron dr Mueller is played by edward van sloan and the nubian is played by noble johnson this was not rated at the time um is currently rated tvpg if you look for it on tubi um it is 73 minutes long it was made in the united states mostly in california uh it was released on december 22nd of 1932 uh, and the budget was about 196000 And because of the time, the gross is just not available. Yeah. Um, so, Maddie, uh, what uh, was your experience with the original Mummy? Uh, this is, um, it was my first time watching it. And uh, I thought it was really, really great. Um, and, and, you know, I say that also being like, look, the story is not that big of a deal. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it is what it is, right? I, I think in a lot of ways, like The Mummy 1989, which we'll talk about soon, like just makes a much better story for for a number of reasons. But that being said, like this is a cool fucking movie. And mm-hmm. and it is it is beautiful. Like the way that they did light in this movie, like I don't I don't know like what they learned over over like the, the period of of making the the monster movies. But they learned something. And like, you know, Carl Freund is a is a fantastic director. I mean, he directed fucking Metropolis, for God's sake. And like he he had a real sense of like what this was supposed to look like and feel like. And it's kind of amazing. Like there's there's the one part where um uh Imhotep like like makes the pool start to smoke. Do you remember yeah, that part? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like the way that the camera comes in and over it and the light is there, it is it's beautiful. And then, like, the way that the camera goes in for that classic shot of Imhotep's face where, like, the light sort of, like, like just sort of gently caresses his face. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. I mean, I, I just, I can't stop saying beautiful all over this movie. Um, and I think that's, I think that's probably what excites me the most about it is that it was just so lovely to look at and to experience. The photography is just really stunning. Um and you know there there are some other parts of it too that I that I think are are great. The the set dressing itself I think was really well done. There is certainly a bit of an orientalist nature to it. I mean you know it's 1932, so you're not going to expect like you know like I don't know what I'm trying to say like like a, a a respectful recreation of ancient Egypt like that that's not going to happen. Yeah, there's there's no wokeness in this. <laughs> no, not at all. But also there's not a whole lot of like anti stuff either. If I'm being honest. Like yeah, I, there's just a lot of talk about slaves and stuff, which is oh, without a doubt, yeah, without a doubt. But even for 1932, like I, I don't know, it, it wasn't it wasn't as bad as it could be, I suppose. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, look in general, yeah, I, I liked it. I I do think like um, it can be a little. This one can be a little boring. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and like and, th- and that is definitely one side of it. But I don't know. It just I for me, I, I just I'm sort of willing to overlook all of it just because it just looked so nice. Yeah, I think for me, like, this is one of those instances where it suffers because we just watched Dracula. 
Yeah, sure, sure. This is essentially kind of the same story, just with a Egyptian lore built into it. You know, it's the monster going after the girl, and there's the guy with his dad or his accomplice who's trying to stop him. So that part of it, I think because we just watched Dracula, felt a little bit of a like a retread. Yeah, fair enough. Um, But overall, I still had a lot of fun watching this movie. For me, too, it was also a a first time watch. And that's going to be with a lot of these universal movies. I just. Yeah, sure. I thought they were when I was a kid. I just thought they were going to be boring because they were in black and white. I'm just being honest. That's like well, my and, little kid brain thought. But, but also to be honest, I think that if you know if you had watched this particular one as a kid, would you have been bored? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I mean, so there you go. I, I think that this one is one of those. It's one of those movies that when it's when it's good, it's really good, and yeah, when sure. it's not, it's just kind of a. It's just kind of bleh. You know what I mean? No, I, I totally get it. <laughs> so. I, I did think that David Manners did get a little bit more to do in this movie, which I appreciated because I feel like in Dracula, he was just kind of there. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Um, the, the main focus was really on Dracula in this movie, where I feel like in this movie, while, you know, while Emotep um, or his alter ego, Ardeth Bay, um, they still are the focus of the movie, but there's still like a story within that where I feel like Dracula was all about Dracula. You know what I mean? Yeah, fair enough. Um, I, I was really, considering I've never seen this movie before, I was really thrown off by the beginning because we start in 1921 with a archeological dig between basically just two guys. It's sure. well, three guys, I guess it's, there's the guy who's there from the like ancient society or whatever. And, um, it threw me off because I didn't realize that we were like, we had like an origin and then like there was another part of the movie. I thought we were just like yeah. going into the movie. So when, <laughs> I, th- I find it hilarious and we'll find it in both movies today where they're like, he who opens this casket or whatever will die immediately. <laughs> and they're all like, let's open well, it. Let's open it. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, and you know, there's the guy there that's saying like, you know, don't open this. It's not good for you. And like, they kind of, while he's kind of distracting him, the, the other main, what would you call him? Like a cartographer. He's basically like writing everything down. And um, somebody like that, a cartographer would be maps. So that guy would be like a scribe kind of thing, basically. Yeah. So he's basically just like writing everything down to make sure that it's all kind of documented. He's and, yeah, he, he's, he's he's a cataloger. Yeah, that's 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 the word. Yeah. Um. And so he ends up opening it and reading the scroll. And <laughs> don't read the scroll, people. Like even His, if if you make the mistake of opening something from like a real thing, if you if you read are, out if, loud. <laughs> yeah. If you're an archaeologist right now listening to this, could you just please not read any fucking scrolls anytime soon? Is that or at least okay? not out loud. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> so that awakens the mummy, which I thought was actually for the time. And I don't know where you watched this. I watched this on Tubi. Um, yeah. I watched, it, I watched it, it on, on Criterion, actually, because they, they still have that universal. Um, the, they, have, they have all the universal monsters up there. Oh, yeah. You want to know what Peacock did right after Halloween? Took what? all of them down. Uh, seriously? So, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Um, but luckily enough, this is on Tubi. You have to put up with like, I think two commercial breaks, but there you whatever. go. Um, and it looked so good. Like, yeah, sure. Dracula still had some of the graininess and some of the scenes were still a little like they, you could tell they restored it, but there was like, you, there's no coming back from like a certain point. Yeah, sure. But with the mummy, I was just like, wow, this looks so good. Like you can't even tell that this is like an old movie. Um, I did think it was funny. There's some lines in there just because of the time that it was filmed and the time that it was written that yeah, nowadays sure. sound really funny. 
Yes. There's the part where he's like, maybe he got too gay with the virgins. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like, well, haven't we all? <laughs> Listen, we've all been there. Thank you very much, sir. Or at least we've but tried. anyway, yeah. Yeah, I was a little thrown off by the beginning because we kind of have that guy who sees the mummy and he goes crazy. He just starts laughing hysterically like this guy just got up and walked out. I did think that that was a good part of um, kind of shock and amazement of like yeah. when the mummy actually does come to life because they do such a good job of him like kind of slowly coming to life. And then you just see that. I thought it was so funny that the, the hand just comes in and slowly takes away. The- I know. <laughs> And he's just like, lets it happen because he's terrified. Um, I, you know, I, I think that Boris Karloff does a pretty good job in the movie. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think like, everyone does, actually. I think that yeah. especially the um, I'm trying to think of her name right now. Um, Azita, who played Helen. Yeah, um, she's exceptionally she was great. Like, beautiful in this movie yeah. like she has such an interesting look to her totally like, she has like she, she's another beautiful thing to look at truly i mean that yeah well i mean like she her she has like um really large eyes which give her like a very unique look which in this time of filmmaking i don't think that they were like looking they were kind of just looking for like bombshells you know what i mean yeah and sure. she is a bombshell in her own light but she has a, a more unique look to her than i was expecting for a leading lady of this time you know what i mean yeah i i, I do um you know i was i was looking at original um original reviews of the movie and there's there's one that you can actually you can find it it's, it's easy to find it's in the wikipedia for for the mummy and this came from um from the, from the new york times who and they were they were fairly unimpressed with with the film um, and they said, for purposes of terror, there are two scenes in The Mummy that are weird enough in all conscience. In the first, The Mummy comes alive and a young archaeologist, going quite mad, laughs in a way that raises the hair on the scalp. That's mm-hmm. so funny. And in the second, Imhotep, they put in the, the dashes there, is embalmed alive. And that moment when the tape is drawn across the man's mouth and nose, leaving only his wild eyes staring out of the coffin, is one of decided horror. But most of the mummy is costume melodrama for the children. Oh wow! <laughs> isn't, that a, isn't that an interesting reception for back then, though, for 1932? Yeah, yeah, I will say that's uh, <laughs> it's interesting. Um, I can't not agree, though. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah, it kind of makes sense. Um, there were. Well, it, it, that's I, thing, I, like, I think. I think it's interesting to think because I, you know, we we all look. We we review movies mostly. We we try to avoid doing new movies, right? Um, And so we do a lot that are, you know, sometimes fairly old. This is this is one of the oldest. I I think Dracula was the oldest, though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was when was that? 1931. 31, right. So it it is interesting to think back to like, okay, in 32, did people think this was scary? And reading this review, I think people didn't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I'm being honest, I thought that Dracula had more scares, you know, quote unquote, in it sure, than this sure. one did. Yeah. Um, but this one, I think, had a little bit more of an... If, if you think about, like, the the story overall and the origin of Emotep and, like, what he's trying to do, I find that part very satisfying and yeah, very sure. interesting. It's all the filler stuff. It's all the, you know, it's all, like, the the doctor and the all those guys, like all their yeah, parts. Sure, sure. Those are the parts where I'm just like, can we just get on with it? Can we yeah, just see? I know. <laughs> can we just see what the mummy wants to do? Like for real. Um, like the part where he makes the doctor have a heart attack. Um, yeah. 
I'm just like, okay, we get it. Like this doesn't need to go on for like 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that, that is the, that's, that's the melodramatic aspect of it. If they, things are just drawn out and, and they, they go for much longer than perhaps they should. Um, I, you know, I think when, when you get down to, to the core of it all, I mean, it's, it's, it's not a bad story. It's not, you know, in, in the no, same way, in the same way that like, you know, Dracula is certainly not a bad story. Um, but, but yeah, they, they do follow the same sort of plot points, you know, you, it's you the same said, beats. Yeah. yeah. You, you, you said them earlier. It's, it's, and it's all about love in the end. Right. right. Um, and you know, that's, that's a lot of what horror is about, you know, is, is about, you know, the horror, you, you could think about horror in a lot of ways. You could think about horror as being, it's about being scared. It's about whatever it's about, whatever. But you can also look at horror and think, no, it's actually about hope. Horror is about love. Horror is about uh, empathy. You know, I could go on and on and on. And that is the core of the story here. There's something lovely about that. There's yeah. something lovely about exploring love through Dracula. There's something lovely about exploring love through a mummy coming back to life. Like that's well, and and love that lasts, uh, you know, centuries. You yeah. know what I mean? But um, I thought that there were a couple of really a love, awesome... a love, a love that never dies, right? I yeah, mean, we, we were sure. talking, we were talking about this earlier. I'm mean, not to get cheesy about it, but I suppose a love that never dies is actually from Dracula. This one, this one did have something like that though in the script. What, what does he say? Uh, my love for you has lasted like beyond, yeah, something like it's that. Older than the temple or something like that. Um, but it is about death once again. You know, it's just it's like, taking it back to our original discussions about you know how we think about how we think about um, the dead and the dying. I don't know. Yeah, yeah keep going. Um, funny you say that that way. We actually, in my uh, college years, we had to take a thing. Um, On death and dying? Well, I think we basically had to take a, a series of three classes that fit into a certain, um, I forget what they called it, but it was like you had to take three classes in this different one. And there was like, religion and blah 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 and women's studies and like yeah yeah sure you had to do you had to do one of them to complete your thing and one of them was death and dying so i'm interested um i did not take that one i took like like creativity or something (laughs) (laughs) um there's a couple of really good quotes in this that i really liked um i most of them come from the mummy himself but uh i did like when he was like i dislike to be touched (laughs) that was like i hear Uh you yeah (laughs) totally that, that's um, me. Other, that's me in literally every gay bar. Like, don't right? touch yeah. me. Just get the fuck away from me. This next one, I, I, I definitely identify with. And he basically gets invited to the doctor's home, and he says, "I regret to. I regret I am too occupied to accept any invitations." Yes, it's like <laughs> perfect. Yes. I was like, I don't have room for any more friends either. It's fine. <laughs> um and um also the you know helen or yeah she has some good lines where she says uh do you have to open graves to find girls to fall in love with which (laughs) yes totally it's wonderful um and i did find it like uh very refreshing that she kind of saves herself in this movie she does um you know there we think that she's going to be saved by you know uh david manner's character and you know the the other guy but in the end, she prays to Osiris, and that's kind of what sets the mummy on fire. Uh, but um, it's yet again another very abrupt ending. Well, you know, we we saw this with the Dracula, and now I'm getting to believe that all these are kind of this way. But yeah, it kind of just ends, and then it's like, and that was a universal picture. <laughs> so, um, the, the the endings of these leave a lot. So to be strange, desired. yeah, and, they're and so I, strange. I, it does. Uh, I don't understand it, to be honest. Like, did no one at all think like 
boy, you really got to fade this out. You know, you know what I right. mean? Or, or the other thing too is like, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not an expert on film by any means. I don't know if that's just the way that most movies ended then. Right. Yeah, and, I don't and know that, either. That, that could very well be. It's just like, okay, we're, we're literally done telling a story and you're out of here. Like maybe right. that's it. I don't know. And but that, that, that could have had to do with a number of things. Maybe that's, maybe that's, that's um, talking to how like movie theaters had to like cycle in and cycle out in terms of audiences that, that, that it, it could be something practical uh, rather than like um, rather than, than actually like uh, talent based or merit based. With, sure. with, with the artists, something to think about. I, and I know nothing about this. So if, if anybody out there knows the answer to that, why films were ending just so fucking abruptly, um, I would love to, um, I'd love to hear more. Some of the things I have written in my notes, um, why did we have to kill the dog? He had nothing to do with this. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but you can definitely tell that this was back in the day where there were not like trainers on set and stuff because the oh, dog sure. did not want to go anywhere with that woman. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Um, I thought it was funny that when he breaks open the sarcophagus and he, it, it basically shows him like shattering the glass with his, uh, elbow, but there's yeah. no glass shards that fall in. Oh, I know. Totally. <laughs> yes. Um, I thought that it was actually really cool when he burns the body of, um, Noxinamone. Yeah. Uh, and the, it like goes up in flame and it's actually like flames. And I was like, wow, that actually looks really good. Like it's a cool it, effect. So speak, speaking of, of Anuxinamone, who, of which is the, the pronunciation in the 1999 version and on anoxanamen the the pronunciation in 1932 um you know I, th- most of us know the mummy from 99 pretty fucking well like mm-hmm. if you saw it you probably saw it a thousand times so like like remembering anux in the moon is is super easy um just because you remember the fucking character um but in this one it took me a minute to to like get down what they were actually saying anoxanamen yeah it was just like that little tiny change in how it's pronounced um the other part that i had noted was that knife does definitely not look sharp enough to, to, not at all to, like it was like on her body and it was basically just like rolling on her body oh my god so wait wait i i have, I have to tell you one thing about the the this is look this is a, a branch here but going back to phenomena the movie that i watched for for david right uh-huh. so there's this part that you saying that the knife isn't sharp made me think of this there's this part where um donald pleasance who plays the doctor right he's in a wheelchair Donald Pleasance has a chimpanzee that like helps him <laughs> with things that don't ask, but like the chimpanzee is super smart and like finds things and brings them to him, whatever the chimpanzee finds a scalpel outside. You, oh, you don't, you don't know why, but brings a scalpel over to Donald Pleasance. And in the scene, he's like talking to the chimp. He's like, look, you can't play with these things. They're very sharp. And so he takes the, um, he takes the scalpel and like tries to cut paper with it to show the monkey that it's sharp, that you shouldn't do this. Whoever dressed the set, like definitely didn't get a real scalpel because Donald Pleasance like can't cut the paper. <laughs> and so like you're watching it, you're like, that is not a fucking scalpel, like at all. Oh my gosh. It was hilarious. it was I was laughing so hard. Anyways, I'm sorry, go ahead. Um, and then the last thing I had in my notes, which was very interesting because in these old movies, you get the cast up front, like you get yeah, all sure. of the the casting credits at the very beginning. But in this one, and I don't remember if they did this on any other movie, but at the end of this movie, they actually have the credits again. And at the yeah. top of the credits, it says a good cast is worth repeating. And that's like when they like list the cast again, which I thought was that's kind of cute. 
Yeah, I thought that was nice. Um, is there anything else that you want to talk about with the mummy, or should we go ahead and score it? Well, the one thing that I would say too <clears> is uh, we didn't talk about this with David Manners the last time, but David Manners was gay. Do we know this? Yeah, I talked about it. Remember, he I talked about how he had a Filipino pool boy. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and, he, that, um, and he had a long term partnership with playwright Frederick Mercer. Yeah, and Bill they ended Mercer. up being together for a really long time. So, uh, that's sad, isn't it? You know, and yeah. he was he was a handsome man. He oh was God. handsome. When he, first, when he first showed up, uh, much like in our next movie, uh, he first shows up in kind of that like poofy white shirt. Oh, yeah. and, and I was like, oh, I was like kind of like taken aback for a second. I was like, oh, hello. Yeah, I would you? have definitely been. I would have been chomping on his bit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, let's go ahead and, and, and score it. So here at Friday the 13th, we judge on a seven stripe scale because there are seven stripes in that glorious rainbow and we're gay so uh i'm gonna come up on my score a little bit now that we've talked about it um i'm gonna give it a five i think that's smart mine's a 5.5 um and i i gave it i i i did struggle with this one a little bit just because me too me too stuff, stuff that we've already talked about but honestly i just it is such a gorgeous movie i just i i had to give it that 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 score i think it's beautiful my main takeaway was uh, the plot is a bit recycled, so it felt a little slow, but overall, the performances in the scenery made up for any woes that I had. And mine was stunning photography and amazing art department make up for any terrible writing in this absolute classic. And folks, that does it for our first film of the episode, The Mummy. We're going to be back with our next uh, movie, which is surprisingly also called uh, The Mummy, but this one <laughs> from 99. So we'll be right back with that in a moment. Where did you get this? On a dig down in Thebes. Jonathan, I think you found something. There is an ancient legend of a place known as the City of the Dead. They call it the doorway to hell. Where the earliest pharaohs were said to have hidden the wealth of Egypt. Are we going into battle? There's something out there. Something underneath that sand. They came to uncover its secrets. Mummies, my good son. This is where they made the mummies. They sought to unlock its treasure. And then there was light. Oh, boy. What they did... Oh, my God. It does exist. I think this may be the Book of the Dead. ...was unleash a force unlike any the world has ever known. You must not read from the book! You have unleashed a creature that we have feared for more than 3,000 years. He will regenerate and no longer be the undead. We are in serious trouble. On May 7th... This one! But the occasion calls for it! Trust me! It calls for it! Universal Pictures invites you. His powers are growing. What? This just keeps getting better and better. To experience the adventure. It appears he's already chosen his human sacrifice. That will live forever. If he turns me into a mummy, you're the first one I'm coming after. Go! Mummy. 
we're back to once again unwrap the mummy. Mm-hmm. Maddie, tell us all about the mummy 1999. The legend you know, the adventure you have yet to imagine. Dashing legionnaire Rick O'Connell stumbles upon the hidden ruins of Hamanaptra while in the midst of a battle to claim the area in 1920s Egypt. It has been over 3,000 years since the former high priest Imhotep suffered a fate worse than death as a punishment for a forbidden love, along with a curse that guarantees eternal doom upon the world if he is ever awoken. The Mummy was directed by Stephen Summers and also written by Stephen Summers, produced and distributed by Universal Pictures. Rick O'Connell was played by Brendan Fraser. Evelyn Carnahan was played by Rachel Weiss. Jonathan Carnahan played by John Hanna. Imhotep played by Arnold Vosloo. Benny Gabor played by Kevin J. O'Connor. Ardeth Bay played by Oded Fair. And Dr. Terrence Bay played by Eric Avari. Rated PG-13 comes in at 124 minutes. Actually longer than I remembered it being. It um, doesn't take that. It doesn't seem like that, though. Not at all. Not at all, yeah. Uh, released April 16th, 1999. God. I was 17 years old. Not even. I was 16 years old. It's crazy. Um, filmed uh, really in a, a lot of different places. Um, a lot of um, a lot of uh, back. What's that called? Uh, back lots in in the in the UK, uh, but also filmed in Morocco and in Arizona. Of course, for the desert scenes. Uh, budget was 80 million dollars, and the worldwide gross a whopping 416 million fucking dollars. Jesus, what a powerhouse this movie was and continues to be. A um, number of different sequels uh, from it, uh, The Mummy Returns. And then the third one was um, The Mummy. Oh, what was it called? Uh, I haven't seen it, so it's uh, hard for me to say. But like, I, think, um, I think it's in China or something like that, if I remember correctly. So, so yeah, just to give a little bit of a spoiler alert, um, you can buy all three of those movies in a pack on Amazon yeah. for $12. So <laughs> well done. It's like the it's like called like the rise of the red dragon or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, that's the mummy. A, a little uh, rundown on it. Andrew, tell us about your experience with the mummy. So, warning for all listeners: we're about to wax poetically about a 1999 movie because I think we both <laughs> love this movie. Um, <clears throat> but um, yeah, I mean, I remember going to see this movie in the theater. This was one of those movies that just came out, and everyone went to go see it. Everyone was yeah, talking about it real. in high school. Like everyone was like in love with Brendan Fraser or Rachel Weitz, depending like yeah. on, on where you fall. But it and and I I say it in my main takeaway. But this cast is like a sexuality. Like everyone is so attractive. In oh, this totally. Like um, from the American guys to the you know Brendan Fraser to even Jonathan in certain aspects. Oh yeah, um, without a doubt. <laughs> Like, it's just everyone's so attractive. It's kind of distracting. Um, but um, overall, I just have so much fun with this movie. I do think that this is, you know, this is what I would call kind of like starter horror or like um, something that you could show to like a 10 or 11 year old. And it, yeah, if they're enough. interested in gateway horror. horror, gateway horror. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I hate that. I hate the term gateway just because yeah, for enough. different for different reasons. Because 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 it has gay in it mostly. Well, no, because <laughs> there's a lot of horror, there's a lot of horror gatekeepers, which I, I know, yeah, for sure. I really God. don't like. But you know what? Listen, if if it is one of your first times listening to the show, not not to interrupt you, Andrew, um, but we <clears> really <throat> detest horror gatekeeping. Like truly, yeah. that is, that is one thing that like we we cannot fucking stand. 
Yeah. And I, I mean, just negativity overall, I just think is not worth it. Um, but I, I just think that this movie, it blends horror because the second act of this movie is straight up a horror movie. Like when yeah, for sure. the mummy is hunting down the people that opened his uh, sarcophagus or um, the, no, it's not his sarcophagus. It's the little box with the scroll in it or, yeah, or, yeah, or yeah. with the book in it. Um, and he's hunting them down to suck them dry. Like yeah. he literally takes out that first man his eyeballs and his tongue and it's just like horrific so anybody that doesn't want to call this like in the horror genre i i would say i challenge you on that because it's definitely got a horror movie surrounded by an action comedy you know what i mean yeah without a doubt um so I have a lot of fun with this movie. It brings back a lot of good memories. I kind of forgot some points because it's been probably 15 years since I watched this movie. It's been a long time. Um, and I thought that, honestly, apart from a couple of effects, the CGI really did hold up, which I was really surprised by. For, for, I, I think for the most part. I, I think that was one thing that sort of surprised me watching it um uh watching it again. And I, I it's it's been a while. It hasn't been that long since I've seen it, but it's been it's been a, a little bit. Um uh, the the some of the CGI now does sort of start to fade, and I, I was I was remembering to myself though how big of a movie this was when it right. came out, and I remember you know just like you seeing it in the cinema, or we might have even gone to a drive-in to see it too in the, in the summer or whatever, um, thinking that it was like the coolest film that had ever been made, you know because well, the- it was. It was kind of our Indiana Jones. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I think that that's actually a great way to put it. It was it was that generation's um, Indiana Jones. Um, and the effects were incredible. You know, I, I still love the movie, but I, I'd say that that's probably one of its weak parts now is that so much of it was CGI that that stuff does kind of start to fade by like a 2021 standard. So, I mean, look, yeah. I'm, I'm being a little ridiculous with it right now, but that's, that's like think- one hole that I can poke. I mean, honestly, the only one that really stood out for me was the kind of, I don't even know how to say it, but it's like kind of the water effect when he's trying to bring back an oxenomone um, that kind of like glides over her body. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, I do. That, That part, I was like, oh, we could have probably done this a little better. Yeah, and I and I would say also the the part um the part where where Imhotep does finally die or you know whatever and he goes and he goes into like the black water. Yeah. The, the yeah. very last part of it when he like sinks down below, like that part just, you know, once again by today's standards, it looks a little oh, okay, that's funny. But um, then there's also like amazing parts like where he yeah. is basically a sand tornado that kind of like sur- spirals down into a human. Yeah. You know what I mean? That yeah. looks really good still. It, so. it, lo- it looks amazing. Also, I I, <laughs> I had a lot of fun watching that part this time because I honestly forgot that that part even happened. And I love the guy that um, Winston Havelock, the, the, yeah. the pilot. He's just look. If there's any, if there's any role in that movie that I would play, that would probably be fucking me. You, you can the one that wants him. to die. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, and the one that's just an absolute ridiculous person. He's so he's so lovable. But I forgot about the quicksand part. The yeah, quicksand, <laughs> the quicksand part is hilarious because that thing just. I, I was watching it. And I I thought to myself, that's some hungry ass sand. Fuck. Right, it just goes down it's hilarious well i mean and all you know all kids of our generation thought that quicksand was a much bigger deal than it actually is so. oh yeah for sure for sure <laughs> um you know i thought that they they took a very minimal story from yeah. the 1932 uh movie and they really gave it new life and they gave it a new adventure which i thought 
man, it's been a long time since I saw like a good adventure movie. Um, and this just brought me back. And I'll, the only thing I will say about it is because it's this fantastical adventure movie. So many people die in this movie. <laughs> oh, oh, for real. I'm just like, wow, we are just not going to concentrate on the thousands of people that just died here from like either uh, flaming boulders coming from the sky or shootouts <laughs> on a boat or like it's incredible how many people fucking die in this movie. Um, I, 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 I think too one one of the best parts of the movie is is Rachel Weiss. And oh, yeah. I think Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weiss make this movie. Oh, you know what with, I mean? Without a doubt. If, if, if it wasn't them, this thing would have never worked. And I, I think um, to, to we'll, we'll, we'll do her first and then, and then we'll, we, we, could, we could talk about him. Um, she's just she's such a refreshing uh, uh, heroine to have in a horror movie, you know, mm-hmm. because she's she's not just smart. She's ridiculously smart. She's smarter than anyone else in, right. in the room, period. And she's also like like totally independent. You know, she she does fall in love with Brendan Fraser, but like it's 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 her own choice to do that. It's it's not it's not because like she's forced to do it or or in any sort of like weird way. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. And I did find it refreshing that actually the brother is the fuck up. The brother is the one that's like he's a total fuck up. Is the one that's like relying on her rather than her relying on him type exactly. of thing. Exactly. Right. Which totally. Is, you know, for 1999 is kind of refreshing to be honest. <laughs> Without a doubt. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you on that. And she's just, she's a real delight to watch. You know, the, the, the movie, uh, the movie has just a, a shitload of cheesy lines, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. But, but they're, they're cheesy lines that are like, they're fun. But like, you know, look, writing like that, it can it can feel real awful if you don't have people who understand timing and yeah. and timing is what makes the whole fucking thing. And the timing on behalf of Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weiss and you know, really everybody, it's fucking good. And that's I think that's what this movie like. It's almost like it relies on that more than anything else is the timing of how the lines are delivered because if if it if they weren't delivered correctly with with good timing it just would have seemed like a big cheese fest instead it's a fun you, you said adventure earlier instead it becomes a fun uh adventure and horror and i think it's wonderful well yeah when you're asking uh actors to say lines like can you swim uh if it, the occasion calls for it and then yeah, throwing her right. overboard right like it most people would like most people would see that and be like, I'm not going to say that. That's so cheesy. But the way that they do it, it just makes sense. I don't it, know. It, it makes it, it feels right. It, it, it the, the film creates an adventurous universe that you are not ashamed to be a part of. Right. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Um, there are definitely some lines in there that are, that stand out to me. Um, there's like, you always had, you always did have more balls than brains. Um, <laughs> I did like the part where they're on the boat, the burning boat, and um, Brendan Fraser's like, wait here, I'll go get help, and then just jumps off the boat <laughs> to the guy that they are escorting. Um, I thought that the depiction of Americans was really funny. Um, oh, that, without a doubt. That they just, as the boat is burning down, they are having the time of their life shooting up the boat. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that that's sort of how we're looked at around the world, by the way. Just to, that, you know, yeah, that's well. That's and keep cool. in mind, this is an American production. Yes. So I know, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's pretty accurate, anyways. Um, I'd like yeah. that when um the one leader of the American guy, he's like, they're led by a woman. What does a woman know? <laughs> right. And totally. like, she's like the smartest one out there. So. <laughs> 
Um, one of my favorite parts, I don't know why this always sticks out to me and it always has since I was a kid. I always love that mirror trick where they get the light into the, the oh, cave yeah. by doing the uh, sunlight on the mirrors. I don't know why that always like, I'm just like, oh, that's such a cool trick. <laughs> you know, one thing that I like, the, the, the one, um, the one performance that has always sort of like, not, not made me upset or anything, but like, yeah, that kind of grates me in the wrong way is the guy who plays Benny. Yeah. Um, just because it's, I mean, number one is just such an annoying role, right? It's, it's an annoying character that you hate, obviously. Well, I mean, I think that the reason why it comes off that way is because we already have a comedic side character with Jonathan. We don't need another yeah. comedic side character with Benny. You know what yeah, I mean? It's like they're 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 both foils for each other. You know, they're they right. are essentially the same character, but just one is chaotic good, one is chaotic evil. Very, I, I like that. I like that a lot. You know, so um, it's, it, it, and uh, I don't know the the film actually. I think, and look, I'm not Middle Eastern, so like I'm not trying to like claim that I am. So let's not get all woke on this, right? But I think for the most part, the film does an okay job of not going crazy over the fucking line with shit. Well, but, I mean, you also have to remember this. They're depicting 1923, 1926. Yeah, exactly. Like, so but, but, things but are a lot thing, different. No, for sure. But one thing I do, and I didn't think about this actually until I was looking at the cast list. And and then I, I looked at the, the, the name of the guy who plays Benny. Um, and his name is Kevin James O'Connor. And I was like, fuck, is he from Ireland? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's like such an Irish name. It's actually from Chicago. Um, oh, and he, and he went to uh, the theater school at, at DePaul University. Um, and, you know, I really don't know a lot about him, to be honest, but he's been in a bunch of shit. Huh. Um, like, like one of his first movies was fucking Peggy Sue Got Married in 1986. Oh, I love that movie. Oh, totally. And he's been in like, you know, I mean, if you look at his shit, he's just in a ton of shit. Um, he was even in Gods and Monsters, speaking of Brendan Fraser, um, huh. which, which came out the year the year before. So, um, yeah, you know, I don't know. It's just, I, 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 um, <laughs> I think about, you know, films like this, which are sort of uh, Orientalist in nature just because of, of the story that they're telling. And, you, you know, you, you never want to see like brown face. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And I think like Benny sort of approaches that, but it doesn't go too far over the line. You know what I'm trying to say? But yeah, also yeah. too, like, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a comedic role of a shyster. Like, I mean, you, you kind of, I don't know, maybe it's good that he played it. Yeah. I almost wish that he would have gotten even more tragic death, if I'm being honest, because we've already seen kind of the scarabs, uh, run amok on, on certain characters. Fuck it, within, if a, if I story. had to die by scarab, by the way, fuck well, that would be awful. That's like the one part of the story I don't really understand, though, because, it, we, you know, in the depiction of Emotep um, and Anaxinamun, like what happens to them, yeah. he is buried alive with scarabs. And then yeah. it is echoed later in the movie um, by Rachel Weiss's character that he died very slowly because the scarabs can live for a long time, like feasting don't, off of, you know, don't one seem body. that way anymore. But when they go on their little rampage, they literally go over one man and eat him in like five seconds. Yeah. So it's like, wait, wait a minute. What is this? Is Are they quick eaters or are they slow eaters? Because no, these are both. I'm, I am a quick eater. That is that is who I am. <laughs> Thank you for comparing yourself to a scarab. You're welcome. <laughs> but, it's, but it's true. I am a quick eater. I like to eat quickly. It's what I do. Um, I was reminded of a childhood toy during this watch. Were you? I don't remember if you, uh, you know, you obviously know Polly Pocket, correct? Yeah, 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 for sure. 
Do you remember the boy version of that, Mighty Max? Ah, uh, you. I, I I can't. You just saying the phrase, I can remember hearing that, but I can't remember what it was though. So they're essentially the boy version of Polly Pocket. Like it was the little handheld thing with little miniatures. And, you know, I don't know why we got into this when we were kids, but we just played with them. Sure. But one of my favorite ones, and I looked it up because I couldn't remember the name of it, was Mighty Max in the Palace of Poison. And it was a little handheld thing that looked like a little coiled up cobra. And you oh, it, and yeah, it I'm, was I'm looking like at an Egyptian. Now. Yeah. Yep. I remember this. I totally remember that. And it came with like a little scorpion and it came with like a little mighty max and like you just played with it. But I was reminded of this watching this movie for some reason. Wow. Um, the scarabs, just to talk about the scarabs for a second. I don't understand the scarabs on the wall. Do you understand this? So there's blue gold scarabs on yeah. the wall. But when you pick them or pry them off the wall, they turn, they, they hatch yeah. essentially to have real scarabs i just that part really caught me off guard this time around i'm like wait how does that work i don't understand I mean, this honestly i i think that the movie could have done without scarabs yeah yeah i don't, I don't think we really needed them I, I think that the movie had enough without without a, i mean i i'm also not into bugs at all like i don't except for the movie bug which i actually do like but there's actually no bugs in that spoiler um but like the bugs i never liked them which was <laughs> which was also i watched phenomena and i was like well Never have to watch that again. Um, there's, there's a lot of bugs in it. But yeah, I don't like bugs. That's it. That, that's the um, truth. I don't the think other thing, in this. The other thing that I liked was um, no harm ever came from reading a book. And I was like, obviously, these people never saw Hocus Pocus. Yeah, right? So. Oh, my God. Hocus Pocus. Are you ready for part two? I am. Yeah. Oh I'm eager to see what they're going to do with it. I Not to like stop talking about the mummy, but look, you said Hocus Pocus, and now I have to say it. I am so excited for part two. I am so mm-hmm excited for it hopefully they don't shit the bed on it anyway you know, you know what they, they won't it's they, it's too important and every gay person will kill them if they do <laughs> yes for sure um i did like that they they had a couple of lines that harkened back to the original mummy which i thought were yeah. really smart um there's a part where um the one man who has had his eyes and tongue ripped out uh, he is meeting with a prince and um, Benny arranges the meeting with the prince. And yeah. there's a little throwaway line that if you are not familiar with the 1932 is where he's like, oh, Prince Emotep does not like to be touched. And I was like, oh, that's a little a little nod to the original, which was yep. little things here and there. Like you pick up on them and because I watched them back to back. I picked up on a lot more, uh, but it was fun to see them like give those little um, those little nods to yeah. the original. Yeah, but um, my one of my favorite effects in the movie, I really liked the sand through the keyhole and how he like gets into her. Oh, room. That, that that is a that, that's also like a wonderful just like device. Like who thought who thought that one up? Yeah, I also thought like I do not want to be friends with Imhotep because he would leave sand everywhere, and that's the most awful thing. <laughs> are you are you attracted to Imhotep? Um. Yes and no, if I'm being honest. Like, mm. uh, when he was running around his little booty shorts at the end, I was like, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, he's just, like, I mean, I'm not, but you know that he's not my type. I was like, mm, I wonder if Andrew is, because he's sort of your type. Yeah, I mean, I could I could go either way, if I'm being honest. But that's kind of how I feel about the entire cast. Yeah. <laughs> like, no. literally, I don't think there's an unattractive person. Even, like, Benny in certain lights doesn't look that bad. <laughs> you know what no, I mean? I mean, look, I get it. You know, like, Brendan Fraser is not really my type either to be honest oh Uh, he is mine for sure (laughs) i just i just i love him to pieces like i mean if you know 
If I had to be a bottom for somebody, I guess it would be him. See, I would just have a three-way with the brothers or with the Americans or whatever. That's I, oh, I knew you liked them. Now, I do like the one with the glasses. I thought he was really cute. Well, in real life, he is a gay actor. So. Wait, wait, wait. What's his name? Who is he? Um, I'd have to look him up, but he came out a couple of years ago. Did he really? Uh, yeah. And now he's like in he's in a lot of the cast that um when they announce like we are actually going to cast an all gay cast. Like he's always part of like that discussion now. Oh no, isn't that interesting? But um Jonathan is hilarious in this movie oh, I love because him so much. He's he's a very likable character, but at the same time you want to kind of smack him across the face because you're like, motherfucker, you just lost the book. Motherfucker, you just lost the key. Motherfucker, you just like every I'm single time. Him. Like when he I, accidentally catches that guy on fire on the boat. Oh, yeah. Just like, Jonathan, how are you going to live through this movie? I don't I understand. Am, I'm a big fan of that actor, John Hanna. Um, he's he's one of my favorite parts of uh one of my favorite movies, Four Weddings and a Funeral. Um, he's, he's just, he's a delight. He's, he's a, he's a delight in literally every movie that he's in. I, I just, I love that guy. I did like that. They brought back the white cat. Um, we didn't really talk about that yeah. in the 1932 version, but, um, it, the white cat in the 1932 version is kind of seen as a, uh, what do you call it? Kind of like a, a pet of the mummy sure. and kind of, yeah. the cat is the one that kills the dog, you know, like that kind of yeah. thing in this one. Um, they kind of harken back to Egyptian lore, whereas cats are the, of the, the gateway to the, to the underworld. And, um, that's the only thing that, um, Emotep is afraid of before he becomes fully formed. So sure. I, I did like that they brought that back, but they gave it a new spin. Um, I'm trying to think if there was anything. Oh, to a certain point, I did have in my notes. Can you just kill Benny already? You've had many chances to kill this man. Just yeah, kill him already. <laughs> that is, that is, it's one of those, it's one of those things with, with annoying characters like that, where, I mean, you know that a character is very annoying if you're like, why aren't you already dead? Right. <laughs> just fucking die. Uh, I will say uh, Mr. Rick O'Connell has the strongest neck of any man in the world um, (laughs) because he not only survives being hanged, but he survives being strangled many times and throughout the entirety of the movie. (laughs) He's a strong man. Um, but I think in our notes, we did have that, you know, in that initial hanging scene, Brendan Fraser actually almost did die. Yeah. Um, he, the, uh, rope malfunctioned and actually you can see it in, there's one little slice of, the, of the, uh, film where you kind of see that he's turning blue. Like oh you can kind of see it. Uh, and then it, they must've reset and done it again, like with the correct, way of doing it because then the other ones you can't really see that he's struggling at all but yeah i guess that that effect did malfunction and he did actually hang for a a moment in time so that's that's pretty scary that we could have lost um you know very very crow like um which we you know we've never talked about the crow that would be an interesting one to talk about we should talk about that soon um you know we could do we could just do a, a, a well we'll think about that but um uh, what I did not know about the mummy and from our friends at bloody disgusting, John, John Squires published this in 2017 about, um, about Clive Barker was the original choice to direct this. Oh no, I don't think that would have worked. I don't I'm think it would have worked either. But would have like, wanted it to be way too dark. Right, right. Right. And, 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 um, it's, it's interesting. He actually worked with Mick Garris on, on the, on the script. Hmm. Isn't that wild? I mean, I kind of get the Mick Garris thing, not, no, you know, yeah, knowing for sure. knowing what we know about Hocus Pocus and kind of script writing in that way. But like, that's a very interesting team up. Yeah. That I don't know. Have we ever seen that team up before? 
I don't know. I, mean, I know that they're friends. I do. I've, right. I've heard Mick talk about that before. Um, what what uh, Clive Barker said in an interview, he said, um, we told, well, it was with Fangoria. He said, looking back, our version of the mummy was precisely what the powers that were at Universal did not want. It hmm. made the mummy story uh, over for the late 20th century, not in terms of its effects. This was before CGI uh, brought its dubious gifts to the process of horror filmmaking, but in terms of content. We had one particular narrative hook that we were very proud of. In the first scene, a strange boy child is born under circumstances, high howling winds and a ferocious thunderstorm that suggests something unnatural is afoot. The narrative then jumps ahead 20 years or so, and we pick up the story of how sacred Egyptian artifacts are being brought to America for an exhibition that would put the Tutankhamun exhibit to shame. So, I mean, if they if they were the ones who had been picked for this, this movie would have been completely different like truly completely. that sounds like a totally different even idea isn't that crazy <laughs> i i never yeah. knew that and, 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 I didn't and either. apparently too like it then when clive barker was out i think joe dante from gremlins stepped in and then it and then it wasn't until like some period after that that stephen summers got it huh and I did, I did, um, there's a featurette on the Blu-ray that kind of yeah. talks about the making of this movie. And um, they, the reason why The Mummy and The Mummy Returns um, are so um, accurately kind of look the same, feel the same, yeah, the continuation sure. of the story is because as soon as they were done filming The Mummy, they immediately started filming The Mummy Returns. Ah. So it, was, it was the same cast, the same crew, the same visual effects people, the same everything. Boy, that makes sense. Which you don't get that very much anymore. Like, I mean, no, because stu- how, how does a studio know that it's going to be such a bombshell? Well, and that's the thing. Like, studios so operate on such a monetary For sure. way now that they don't trust that things are going to do well to be able to get, you know, give them an yeah. immediate sequel, which is, you know, for some movies is probably good um, because we don't need another Avengers, you know, 15 no. year whatever. Oh God, um, no. <laughs> but for, so but many for some already. Movie, but for some movies, a good trilogy is, you know, hard to find. So, yeah. I mean, and you know, I haven't watched The Mummy Returns in a while. It's 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 on it's it's on on. This is like the, also the first episode in a while where I didn't have to rent anything or buy anything. I was so happy. Oh, that's um, nice. Yeah, well, it was super nice. And on now on demand, they have all three of the Mummy Mummy movies. Um, so I actually I might watch the other two because I I don't really remember what happens in The Mummy Returns. To be honest, I remember liking it. I just don't remember it. And yeah. part three, I've never seen. Same. I I actually, you know, as I stated earlier in the episode, I actually just went ahead and bought the Blu-ray. It was twelve dollars for oh, all three movies. Might as well. So I was like, you know what? I'll watch these movies again. So yeah, I'm definitely gonna watch the other two. And like, oh, I, sure. I have not seen The Mummy Returns in a very long time. I remember that Anax and a Moon has a bigger arc in that movie. Sure. Um, and I remember that Rachel White's gets a little more action in the movie because in this yeah. movie she's kind of she's not a damsel in distress, but she's kind of just like a uh and a nerd if you yeah, know, you know what I mean? like in this and the second one she's sort of like like a she's like a fighter yeah yeah so yeah, yeah. and then the third one i've never even heard anybody talk about so i i don't know if it's any and good or not the, the third one by the way is called the mummy tomb of the dragon emperor ah so rise of the red dragon was close enough <laughs> it's close enough you know basically whatever 
Um, I do know that in the third one, and we can kind of score this after I talk about this. Yeah, but, yeah sure, um, sure. Um, in the third one, Rachel White's decided not to um, come aboard. Like she was kind of huh. done with the series at that point. Um, so maybe that's like, just showing. Like everybody else did because John Hanna was there. Bob, uh, Bob, Brendan Fraser was obviously there. Jet Lee was in it. It, it did make a fucking ton of money. It made made four hundred and four million bucks. So man, I wonder makes you want makes you wonder why they didn't continue. I don't know. Anyway, Maddie, what did you give The Mummy nineteen ninety nine? Give it one of my highest scores, six and a half for this one. Um, it is it is a fantastic movie. Um, it's so much fun to watch, even still. Um, you know, like you said, it is definitely sort of like a gateway horror sort of thing. Um, and I think it got a lot of us into it at, at you know when we were teenagers. Um, it's a fun fucking movie to watch. And the last thing that I said was fucking adore this film. One I could watch over and over. Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weisz are chemistry like none other. Yeah, I gave it a six. So right up there with you. I thought that this movie was so much fun to revisit. Um, and for a 1999 film still held up visually. Totally. Which, Agreed. Um, which was kind of surprising to me. Um, but my main takeaway was this is the perfect starter horror with images of utter terror mixed with humor and action. The cast is literally a sexuality. <laughs> Into it. Good. <laughs> Well, so, that kind of wraps up. <laughs> People were like, oh, who's going to do it? Um, no, so that wraps up uh, The Mummy. I think we've said wrapped up about 3,000 times in this Get episode. it, everybody. <laughs> Get it wrapped. Get it. Bandages, mummy wrap. Okay. But we will take our final break, and I have a new game for Maddie called Who's Your Mummy? Welcome back. It's time to close out episode 67 of Friday the 13th Horror Podcast. Maddie, I have a fun game for you called Who's My Mummy? I'm into it. Let's go. So these are famous children that have famous parents. And I want you to name who their mom is. Oh, this is going to be hard. Okay. Okay. Let's do it. All right, we are starting with blackish fame, Tracy Ellis Ross. Who is her mom? Diana Ross? You're correct. Oh my Good God, I, to- I totally guessed that. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> I didn't think you would get that. I'm really proud of you. Um, all right, of Stranger Things and most recently Fear Street fame, Maya Hawk. Ethan Hawk? Well, who's her mom? Oh, da 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 da. Oh, I can't remember. I can't remember who he's married to. I forget. Do you give up? Um, uh, my answer is going to be, for everyone that I don't know, I'm just going to say Farrah Fawcett. <laughs> Pharaoh Fawcett. My, yeah, Pharaoh Fawcett. My, my drag name. Um, um, her mom is Uma Thurman. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, okay, makes sense. All right. Z- of, of, uh, what is that dirty little liar no <laughs> what's the hbo show big big little lies <laughs> yes of big little lies fame zoe kravitz uh, uh the mom is uh so it's lenny kravitz and um uh fuck give up <laughs> yeah give up this is so hard i know i thought this was gonna be hard i apologize but it was the only thing i could think of to do with mummies um her mom is lisa bonet oh lisa oh man see i actually knew that too and i love lisa bonet i always thought she was the coolest girl in the world 
And also, Zoe Kravitz is like the most beautiful specimen of a person. She's a fucking knockout. Jesus Christ. All right. uh, Next up of Fifty Shades of Grey fame, Dakota Johnson. So her dad is Don Johnson. Pharaoh Fawcett. I don't don't remember. Her mom is Melanie Griffith. Oh, actually, I did not know that at all. So Don Johnson and Melanie Griffith. Wow. Um, Finally, of American Horror Story fame, Billy Lord. You know this. Tracy Lord? No, it is Carrie Fisher. Oh, Carrie Fisher. God damn it. That was Who's My Mummy? I'll tell you what. That was a really good one. And uh, that was also, that was challenging. I'm glad that I came up with it because I was struggling to come up with a game for this episode. Oh yeah, so. for sure. I I, I was. Um, you you saw when I was I was brainstorming what what we might do here. I was pretty proud of um a Pharaoh Fawcett. Like that would yeah. actually be that would be a really good like drag name. I no, think. it was funny when I saw your notes in in our you know this little bit of inside baseball. But when I saw your notes on the worksheet, I was like, oh, he came up with the game, great. And then I <laughs> looked today, and you were like, actually, I was just brainstorming. I was like, I don't I was like know what shit, I'm doing. great. <laughs> So yeah, that was Who's My Mummy. And that um, was the that's our sixty-seventh episode. How much fun. Um folks, crazy. Been with us. Yeah. yeah. 60, 67 full length episodes, averaging probably about an hour forty-five each. That's a that's an awful lot of hours, as you, mm-hmm. as you can probably do the math there. Um and it's been fun the whole way through. So folks, as we close out the show, um, just some, some quick housekeeping stuff that we always do. Uh, first off, we are a uh, part of Dread Podcast Network. You can find us with other amazing podcasts like uh, our friends Kim and Ket, our friends the Boulay Brothers, our friend Mick Garris. You can find all of us on Dread Podcast Network, so be sure to check the rest of us out. You can also call our Fry Gay Hotline, maybe for episode 70, we'll do something for this. Um, you can call it at 872-208-3119. Leave a message about whatever you want. Make it sexy, make it crazy, make it funny. We'll listen to them all and we'll play some of them very soon. And if you appreciate this podcast and you love looking forward to having it every other week, you know, you can support us financially if that's something you're able to do. Um, you can either become a patron on Patreon or you can buy merch and kind of wear a t-shirt. You know, I had not checked our Teespring account in a while. We actually sold like five t-shirts, which is oh, that's awesome. awesome. So Enjoy you, wearing that, sweeties. If you got any merchandise from us, take a picture, tag us on social yeah, media. We want to see so, yeah, you can do that by visiting frygay13.com slash support or searching for us on Teespring or Patreon. Right. Uh, we just want to iterate one more time how how happy we were to be the winners of the Discover Pod Awards this year for the LGBTQ Culture Award. Um, that is all because of you listeners. And, you know, we've heard from a couple people um, that we've met up with that they're like, oh, I voted for you. And we're like, it, it, was it, awesome. it just it, it means the world to us. So yeah. just thank you so much. It's the last time we'll kind of tout it but we are just very thankful that people would take the time to you know click through a website that's probably not optimized but if i'm being honest but um and take the time to like fill out all those things so we honestly really really do appreciate it another thing too is we had a really brilliant little video series come out around halloween 
You should go check it out. You can see that at frygay13.com slash video. It's a wonderful little, like, ridiculous animated series. Of, it's hilarious. It, it's hilarious. Like, I, I still watch them and laugh, and, and we fucking made them. Um, we had a, a brilliant guy do the animation for us. So go check those out if you haven't seen them yet. It's a lot of fun. Um, speaking of patrons, by the way, um, one of our patrons, Alvin, upped his pledge in a big way, which was really amazing and it's it's a lot of fun to to talk back and forth with with alvin on email so thank you again for um for your generosity uh and final... honestly like the oh, sorry, the thing with alvin like he actually took the time to like write us a really like nice yeah. email and even gave us a good idea for an upcoming episode it was, it was awesome so you know that's the kind of thing that we love and that keeps us doing this thing so yeah. if you have anything to either say about like hey you got this wrong or hey we really appreciated this or hey you really got this right and we you know we learned something yeah. new reach out to us on social media or you know send us an email or please, please those do. things like that's what we live for to and be you, honest like you know what especially too like look you know the, the holidays are here now holidays can be weird for for a lot of gay people and queer people and you know sort of like horror nerds like us holidays can be a weird time a lot of us are going to be alone, you know, or, or mm-hmm. not visiting families or not visiting friends or whatever. Like, this is a great time where if you're having a weird, tough time, like, you know, have fun with us. We we make this podcast so that we can all feel like we're in the same room as friends, just hanging out and having a good time. And so we hope that that's what we've been for you, too. Just a couple of friends in your living room or in your car or whatever. So hang out with us and, you know, let us know what's going on with you. We love to hear from you. And speaking of hearing from you, we would love to hear from you if you would leave a review on now, Apple Podcasts. That's what I'm talking about right there, girl. <laughs> tell, tell, them, tell, them, tell them how to do that. So if you listen on Apple Podcasts, it's very simple. You can either just touch the five stars or you can leave us a, a review in the comments section of that. You can also leave us a review on Podchaser or Good Pods. That's the new one I've been hearing all about. Um, that will kind of help us get on those apps if you don't have an iPhone and you listen maybe through a different app. Um, but pretty, pretty much wherever you listen besides Spotify, uh, you can leave us a message or leave us a little note uh, and give us some five stars and that helps us rise in the in the rankings and gets more eyes on the podcast and so we would really appreciate it if you would do that especially given around the holiday season if you're going to give us a gift and you can't do it monetarily that would really help if you would just leave us a nice little review and another thing that you can do is come along with us right now and get slayed Thank you for listening to the Dread Podcast Network.